2: Welcome to the Terrible Podcast Season 14, Episode 20. He's Dave Bryan. I'm Alex Kazora, SteelersDepot.com. Thanks for being back with us here on this Friday. Steelers Nation as the 2023 NFL season has officially kicked off Thursday night, getting things started. Last night, it was the Detroit Lions upsetting the Kansas City Chiefs, Patch Mahomes looking mortal. The receivers dropping a hundred thousand passes. Lions win twenty one to twenty. So football is back. We are back. Dave, how you doing?
0: Football is indeed back. Uh, I enjoyed that game uh, on on Thursday night. Just goes to show you, you miss a couple of uh, key players like the like the Chiefs uh, missing Kelsey and and obviously Chris Jones. Uh, even even so, for a while they looked like they were going to do enough to uh, to win that game because you have a you have a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes. You're going to be in the game uh, at, at, at 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 all times there. Uh, hat, hat tip to the Lions. I mean, they they really really grind it out a, a win there, uh, boy, uh, even late in that game, some of those, uh, uh, short yardage and, you know, a player two made by golf there, uh, you know, uh, what are, what are the chiefs going to be, you know, without, we'll see obviously how long Kelsey sideline and all like that. But uh, I'll tell you the big winner last night was the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, I awarded 0. 0.025 uh, win <laughs> to, uh, to the Steelers because anytime you can get a team like you know one of the premier teams or, or perceived premier teams uh, in the AFC to lose a game uh, that could potentially help the Steelers uh, down the line there. But uh, I found, I, oh, another thing, I'll, I'll hop on my soapbox uh, real quick. Uh, please uh, K- uh, kadarius tony uh just a more that pick 6 uh look a, a fantastic recognition by by branch, there, guy that we talked about during the pre draft process, and and athleticism, be able to get that tip ball and then take it to the house and all. But that ball went right off Tony's hands there. Mm-hmm. And you look if you didn't watch the game and you look at the uh, uh, look at the box score and look at the uh, stat book on that and all like that, it shows one interception for for Patrick Mahomes. I'm I uh, that that uh, right out of the shoot there that reconfirms my <laughs> op- opinion that. Uh, uh, those kind of things don't need to be, look, uh, Elias, uh, they can play God with sacks and quarterback hits and stuff that are kind of uh, subjective and all along those lines. Just add uh, quarterback interceptions to that and either put it on, put it on the uh, quarterback or put it on, you know, the eligible that he, that he threw it to. And man, you have to worry, uh, wonder about uh, Kadarius T- Tony at this point, right?
2: Patrick Mahomes still says he trusts him, but I'm not sure if you really can after a performance like that. Yeah, that was the uh, first interception Mahomes had thrown, I think, ever in a week one game. And what a crappy way to to, to have that streak end. So I'm with you there on the advanced stats. Got to be able to. We can put a man on the moon, Dave, but we can't mm. uh, have advanced stats on when receivers are really the, the cause of interceptions.
0: And look, you even go back to last year with Kenny Pickett, right? <laughs> yeah. First pass uh, to Claypool. Uh, and, 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 and that one over to the sideline to, uh, Pat Farmouth, Yeah. That ball mm-hmm. was a little bit high, but you know, eight times out of 10, does he come down with that? Uh, there are also a few, uh, what, what, there are another one that went off. Uh, I don't, I can't, maybe it was one that Mitch Trubisky threw. I can't remember that went, went off, uh, Deontay Johnson's hands and all like that. So, I mean, I, I, if memory serves me. A uh, few of those, you know, pro- probably a good half of those uh, interceptions that pick it through last season, you could probably put on, you know, an uh, in, in eligible and not him. But anyway, I, I don't want to go. F- uh, we we have a long season that, <laughs> we have a long season ahead for uh, me to uh, uh, jump back on that soapbox. But I mean, uh, that ball went off right right off Tony's hands and into the hands of uh, Brian Branch.
2: We'll keep fighting the good fight over here on Steelers Depot. But yeah, jam-packed show today. A little bit later on, we'll have a 49ers beat writer, Grant Cohn, who covers the team for Sports Illustrated. We'll talk to him and get his thoughts on San Francisco. We'll preview the game, make our picks, give our season predictions as well. But let's start with the most immediate news. Two things to talk about. Injury report here. But before we do that, Dave. Nick Bosa's playing. He's coming Sunday. He's got his deal, record contract, fifty million dollars signing bonus, highest yes. paid defensive player in NFL history. And so Bosa's done and ready or not, Pittsburgh will see him this weekend.
0: Yeah, I, I, I saw the pictures. Uh, saw him get off the plane and all like that. No, no beer belly uh, mm. uh, for him. So, you know, the only question, and, and we highlighted this, you know, uh, he, uh, you know, in, in previous episodes here you know, how, how much will he play? And, and, uh, Kyle Shanahan said, how many snaps are there in a game? And you're know, kind of inferring that, you know, he could potentially play all of them. I'm going to go out. I'm going to go out on a limb here and says he say, he does not play 100% of the snaps. Uh, Old. uh, I kind of wonder if he'll play 90%, Alex. Uh, and you know, even Steve their defensive coordinator was asked, I, I, I believe yesterday. And he, you know, he's not really sure and all like that. Uh, it doesn't sound like he did too much during their practice on Thursday. I would like to think that Friday's is just a glorified whatever they get done on Fridays is a glorified walkthrough before they jump on the plane and head to Pittsburgh here. So, uh I think that's one of the interesting storylines, you know, obviously heading into this thing is, yeah, they got him under contract and you obviously would like to have Nick Bosa playing on your team, any snaps as opposed to not playing, but how much will he play?
2: It's a fair question. And I don't know the answer to that. I think it, it, It often seems to be that with these top tier guys, it's more than you think. I agree. He's not going to probably play his completely usual complement of snaps. But, you know, Mike Tomlin made the point earlier this week that when TJ Watt had his, granted, it was a hold in, but against Buffalo in 2021, ended up playing, I think, over 80% of the snaps and had a great day with two sacks. Now, I know Watt was around the team and going through individual drills. I assume that, you know, Bose has been conditioning and working on the side. And so, I don't. I, I think he's going to be in probably good enough shape and comparable to where Watt was a couple of years back. So I'm going to expect he's going to play more than you think, and be happy if he if he falls short of that.
0: Right. More than anything, if you stay out of those third and long situations, you can help mm. yourself too.
2: Yeah, that's probably the best thing you can do to ensure that Nick Bosa does not take over this game, regardless of the amount of snaps that he plays. So Bosa's done. Should mention Joe Burrow's contract is done as well. So Pittsburgh will see him in Cincinnati for a long, long time. A Record deal, highest paid, highest paid player ever, I guess, on a a per year basis. So Burroughs deal again, we knew that was going to happen. But it's funny, it happened basically right at kickoff yesterday. So it was just peak NFL at around 815.
0: Yeah. Kind of burying the lead though. Uh, aren't they in, in doing that? Why not an hour before the game or right. something like that? You know, uh, unless they literally just got that thing done, but, uh, man, you got three quarterbacks, uh, in the AFC North now with, uh, average yearly values of, of, what did I put out there? Like 46 million or something like that. Uh, uh, You know, three of the top, I think, seven highest paid quarterbacks uh, in the league now reside in the AFC North. Uh, How will that impact? You know, the old sins of the franchise quarterback that we talk about overall, I don't think it's going to impact the Bengals. At least uh, look, the fact that Mike Brown paid somebody. (laughs) It's uh going to
2: hurt him a little bit, you think, (laughs) Right yeah,
0: time. but look, I mean, they they have to spend the cap, you know, as we talk all pe- people still uh choose to uh, re- uh, or or choose to uh uh accept the fact that teams have to, you know, over a 3 year span uh, spend 90% uh, of the uh cap in cash. And if you have a franchise quarterback that you think can make you compete year in and year out, you're going to pay top dollar for that. He's going to be a high market value deal, but it's better than not having one.
2: <laughs> right. Mm-hmm, for sure. Yes.
0: Uh, so I know the narrative right now with, 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 with probably fans of the Steelers is, aha, uh-huh. you know, the old Bart, you know, uh, Bart Simpson, you know, aha, uh-huh. you with with the, uh, you know, all, you guys are all paying you, you know, uh, your guys, this money, well, the, the money just gets redistributed is, is what it is. Now, sure. Does it, Im- will it impact the team like the 49ers potentially in, 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 in free agency moving forward? Yeah, it's possible, but I would imagine, you know, that, uh, there's going to be some restructures with, 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 uh, with burrow and all like that and, and move money or, I mean, the Steelers navigated through it, didn't they? You know, and, mm-hmm. and it's all relative to, uh, the time and the cap and the cap percentages. So yeah, astronomically it's you know forty something, you know, fit, you know uh, uh new money average of of of, of over forty five million and all like that. But it's all relative uh, to what the cap is at the time. You know, four years from now we're going to think, right. man, looks like uh, looks looks like a bar. Just look at TJ Watt's deal right now. Yeah, you know, w- w- mm-hmm. when compared to Bosa, uh, you know, but at the time TJ Watt became the highest play- paid player, you just it's all about redistributing, making sure you, you you're spending your cash wisely, because a lot of times you don't have choice about whether, you know, uh, how these guys are going to get paid. Top two, top three money would come come time for top player to get paid is just how are you able to redistribute what's left? Of your cap slash cash to other players and making smart decisions with it. Are, are you going to have to pay other players along the way? Yes, but you just got to be wise in doing so and hope that the you know the guy doesn't get injured or doesn't you know isn't a bust or you didn't overpay and you know not getting a production out of. it. I mean, it's the same with all thirty-two teams across the NFL, right?
2: Sure, and that's the cap. Rises as it will over the years, that will be a smaller and smaller percentage of, of what borough gets paid um, relative to the cap. And that, as you said, is going to make it look, you know, look at Patrick Mahomes deal, which was insane at the time. Now it feels like, hey, Mahomes is pretty cheap right now. They may have to redo that deal. I don't know how they're going to handle that, but that's how these things go in a couple of years.
0: Right, no, and you are now in the first year of the new three-year cycle, and all this. So the 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 the, the Bengals get a big chunk of that uh, cash out of the way uh, uh, this year. I would imagine, you know, uh, next, uh, especially the third year of this, they'll probably be a lot, a lot tighter with the with the cash because they will probably have met the thresholds of the ninety percent rule by then.
2: Right. My my last note on Burrow, my favorite part of the contract is on the guaranteed money. It's 219 million point oh one. That point oh one must have been the sticking point to get that deal done. I just love the little quirks of these contracts.
0: Yeah, it's fun to watch these, you know, to go from this part to actually see the layout and then. You know, uh, uh, the, the, kind of the rolling option guarantee bonuses. You go back to that Mahomes deal and all like that. But anyway, that's that's Bengals, and nobody wants to hear about that.
2: I'm- all right, let's hear about the Pittsburgh Steelers and their injury report coming out on Thursday. Two names have been on the injury report both Wednesday and Thursday. Uh, it's been Cam Hayward and Larry Ogunjobi. Ogunjobi's been limited both days with that foot injury, that right foot injury he suffered in training camp. Hayward on Wednesday was listed limited for rest and then did not practice Thursday. They said stomach. Does that mean injury or illness? It's hard to say for sure, but Hayward's been talking to the media, was on Good Morning Football this morning. So I'm going to, I think, fairly safely and confidently assume he's going to play on Sunday.
0: Yeah. Someone tweeted me bubble guts from, Oh, <laughs> he, he, uh, uh, just put old man in there, uh, right. he, yeah, in, in the injury report. I look, obviously in the past people have cropped up on injury reports and we said, Oh yeah, we, we know he's going to play and all like that. And you get to Sunday and he's inactive, uh, I'm going to go out on a limb here again. Two out on limbs already in the first uh, mm. f- 15 minutes of the podcast here, Alex. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that Cam Hayward plays against the 49ers and plays a lot. On I'll
2: walk with you on that one there, right. Dave. And Ogunjobi, I they should play. You know, how many snaps will he get and the effectiveness? And we have concerns about his health and in- it's always got something he's dealing with but i think he's going to be out there this weekend too
0: yeah that would be my guess as well too the only, uh, this goes back to the conversation back when they when they signed him to that contract mm-hmm. they did uh ear- earlier uh look i i did not have this team resigning ogan joby during the off season uh said that before free agency got started uh once they did i was a little bit surprised at at the contract however comma if you want to boil this contract down with larry ogan joby they really just signed him to a one-year, uh, twelve million dollar deal. Uh, if, if you want to be blunt about it, we mentioned. I just wrote about this. We talked about it the other day. They have a big decision with him in in, in March of two thousand twenty-four when it comes to his roster bonus and all like that. So you want to talk about decisions in spending money that maybe you could potentially have spent elsewhere? Uh, this is probably one specifically that I think. It's going to be clear either 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 was a good decision or it was a bad decision, and it will probably be mostly related to his health and specifically the health of that foot or not. Uh, You know, do we expect him to be two thousand and 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 twenty one Larry Ogunjobi before that foot injury? Man, it'd be nice. I mean, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, if he is, and you can say, man, what a what a what a bargain that was. Uh, However, comma, what if he misses? You know, what if he's what if he misses two or three games? And what if what if it's a duplicate season of last year? Is that enough to justify uh, one year twelve million dollars? And more specifically, is it, it does it justify uh, uh, keeping him past March of two thousand twenty-four?
2: Their fair questions. The issue with Ogunjobi, he's generally been available. It's not like he's missed a, a lot of time. He didn't miss much time last year in terms of actually, you know, not dressing. But in terms of the effectiveness of it, and as he get through practice, and is he not 100 percent for the game, and you see the impact that that has. He's a talented guy. Our, our, our issue when the contract was signed was not, oh, he's not worth the money, and he's not capable of being a, a starting caliber defensive lineman. No, I think he's a really talented guy, and his highs are, are extremely high, but that you get so much inconsistency probably due to the health. And as you get older, the health generally does not get better. And that's the concern there. And that concern continues.
0: It is a duplicate. How would you rate a duplicate of his 2020, 2022 season? If he, if, if that's what happens,
2: if he has one and a half sacks, it's hard to justify keeping that guy around.
0: I mean, obviously you can't measure it all by sacks, but you would expect him to have <laughs> more than that. Right.
2: Right. I mean, yeah, they're fluky, but if you ask me the duplicate, he had a sack and a half last year. He was, you know, he had more pressure than that sack number might indicate. But, you know, if you're only getting three sacks in two years, for a starter, you're paying pretty good money to in in a pass happy world. That's below the line, as Mike Tomlin would say.
0: And look, with that with that uh, murderer's row that you have lined up there uh, on paper to start the season and all like that, there are going to be opportunities for him to win and win a lot.
2: Sure. So we'll just have to, to wait and see on that. But I do expect Okunjobi to play. We'll get the final injury report on Friday. Although in this day and age, typically on Saturday, you get adjustments and upgrades and downgrades. So it's never really official until I feel like kickoff actually occurs. On the 49ers, then, it's a, it's a more colorful, certainly longer list. But I think the, the general trend is his team is getting healthier and they're not going to be as of piece together as we thought they might be at the start of this week. George Kittle, he's been limited with the groin injury, but I have a feeling he's going to play. Their kicker, Jake Moody, probably is going to play in this one. Nick Bosa, of course, is going to play. Brock Purdy is going to start. That's never really been in doubt. Even somebody like cornerback Charverius Ward, who did not practice with a heel injury, uh, the D coordinator Steve Wilkes saying that he expects him to play. So um, they basically should have all their guys in this one.
0: Yeah, it 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 it, it the the painted picture. Probably looks better than when you open the cans of paint. <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's, a, it's a little Tomlinism. I like it. A little spin. You,
0: you know what I'm saying? You, you,
2: mm-hmm.
0: you uh, well, you haven't lived. Some. Wait till you get it. Wait till you get a wife and all like that. And you have to paint. And you have to choose, choose paint and all like that. I'm gonna stay
2: single just for and, that, so I never and, have to paint.
0: And you think the paint uh, looks good with this swatch up uh, up on the <laughs> wall and. Uh, you, you you finally paint the whole room like that. And you say, damn, that doesn't look as good. But you know, <laughs> uh, in so many words, you know, uh, it didn't look as promising to them kind of heading into all this. But I, I think by, by the time the game rolls around, they're going to have the people that they uh, want on the field on the field.
2: Yeah, now again, snap counts may be a bit limited, but I think even a guy like Ravion McLeod may play in this one, and we thought he was going to for sure miss this game when he broke his hand or wrist or whatever it was, he was reportedly going to miss two months, and he's been limited, and he may go in this in this game. So overall, they're in better shape than we expected. All right, Dave, let's get into some more Steelers talk here, uh, players speaking to the media, but I think the most headline-y, that's a word, comments so far have come from Patrick Peterson, not Speaking to reporters, but on his podcast, the All Things Covered podcast with his cousin and former Steeler Bryant McFadden. And we wrote about this yesterday. Peterson saying the 49ers offense has tells. And Bryant McFadden asked Peterson, do you have the cheat code on this offense? And Peterson said, when I get my pick Sunday, we'll talk about it. And as you expect, that certainly drawn a bunch of headlines. That Ward got back to Brock Purdy, who really didn't say much about it, just said, you know, complimentary things. Peterson is a great player, said, we'll see. And that was kind of all that he said there. But Peterson making some waves. What do you think of those comments?
0: Uh they—I uh, I believe they've they've seen something. Uh, and look, I mean, if you study the tape long enough, you could probably say that going into every game, right? Against yeah, every, including team.
2: about Pittsburgh, every offense defense has tells and a personality.
0: Uh so I don't, you know, I I think he said. Uh, and and kudos to him. He, uh, uh, sometimes you just get the vanilla stuff. Kudos to him for saying things that a lot of players probably wouldn't say. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. uh, now uh, let me tell you, he said, "I, I uh, if uh, when I get my pick, I'll tell you about it." I hope he gets his. Uh, I hope he gets his pick because I want him to talk about it, what he saw, <laughs> so I, so we can go back and and learn from it. You know.
2: Yeah, no, I would love that. So I I guess that's the question. And and I'm with you. I'm in the camp of, you know, I want guys to be honest and not just say all the cookie cutter stuff for my own personal interest, because it's certainly better to to write about that. So some people take, you know, umbrage with that and say Peterson shouldn't say these things. And if you have a bad game and Purdy throws a touchdown on you, then you're just kind of adding some bolt and board material. And so some people will take that track, which I understand, but I could appreciate a guy, you know, giving you more than just a standard boilerplate answer
0: right look i i you know he's a veteran he's he's seen a lot there is probably a couple things on tape that he's seen
2: this offense and we'll talk about it more but this offense for san francisco is not hard to figure out they're pretty they they have a clear personality they just want everything to look the same they don't have a ton of concepts it's just trying to marry those concepts well out of different personnel groupings out of different formations and just a lot of window dressing to try to move your eyes and, and slow you down. But their offense is not anything that's ridiculously over the top.
0: Uh, the thing, and it it goes back to several things we've talked about offensive coordinators over the year. You can have, you know, your, your menu of plays can be small. Uh, but can you run those plays? Uh, out of different looks, uh, different personnel groupings, different diff- different formations, and achieve uh, what you want to w- want to achieve. The more you can make the same things look different, uh, you you know you, you're not going to have as many tells probably.
2: Right. That is the chess match, and that's what the 49ers have done super effectively, and that'll be Pittsburgh's mission to stop. So, speaking of coordinators, Steve Steelers coordinators Terrell Austin defensively, Matt Canada offensively speaking. Yesterday, anything that really stuck out to you in a big way to a and didn't say a whole lot, spoke about Desmond King saying he's jumped on the moving train, not entirely sure if his plan, even if he'll play this weekend. But I, I think he'll probably dress and how much he gets used and where he gets used is probably anybody's guess. Uh, who's that on on Desmond King?
0: Oh, Mr. Uh, look, I missed. Look, I he's one of the guys that I wonder if he's going to get a helmet, you know.
2: Okay, so you're not sure, but I I think he's going to play.
0: Okay, well then, if he does, then I wonder who's going to be the last inactive there.
2: Fair. I'm thinking Sullivan. I mean, he he may sit because he did just get here, but I think he's a pretty heady guy. Okay. But we'll just have to see because Terrell Austin is not saying much and didn't really say a whole lot out of that other than the standard got a tackle well. These 49ers skill guys, they are so effective after the catch. 49ers as a team, they're built around short yardage and quick game and getting guys out there in space and doing damage post catch. And so tackling leverage technique, all those things will be really important overall. Uh, anything from that Canada, Dave, that, that caught your ear?
0: Uh, not overall.
2: No. Okay. Yeah. he just talked about Darnell Washington ascending and still have to block, you know, Nick Bosa. They've been preparing for him. They have a plan, but you know, everyone has a plan here. It sounds good on paper until you actually have to do it. What do you think of? I know it's kind of low hanging fruit, but Mike Florio's comment that you know if Kenny Pickett does well, could Matt Canada earn head coaching buzz in the twenty twenty four coaching cycle?
0: Uh, now you have fans really excited for the Steelers to have a great, <laughs> se- <laughs> great uh, uh great season, right? Uh, I, I don't think Matt Canada is going to be in line for a head co- coaching job. He needs to just uh, keep himself in the offense, at least in the offensive coordinator category at this point.
2: Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, I I understood Florio's point that you know typically when young quarterbacks have success, teams start looking towards the coordinator and the quarterback coach for coordinator and head coaching roles. That's been a story that's been pretty laid out over the last many years. But Canada's fifty-one. He's not this fresh face, Sean McVay, Nick Sirianni type of guy. That's you know thirty something years old and kind of this. Uh, boy wonder type of feel and i just don't don't see that happening with matt canada
0: okay i agree
2: all right dave where to here i think actually probably a good time to take a pause and we'll speak with grant cohen who has covered the 49ers for uh, quite some time let me pull up uh, his uh, twitter handle here for you guys to follow it's pretty simple at grant cohen that's c-o-h-n he covers the 49ers part of fan nation on si.com we'll take a pause and come back with grant
0: Okay, welcome back to the Terrible Podcast and as promised as we'd like to do before every Pittsburgh Steelers game during the season have a uh, beat writer who covers the Steelers' opponent for the upcoming game and this week the Steelers are obviously playing the San Francisco 49ers Sunday at Acrisure Stadium uh, and we are pleased to be joined by first time on the show first timer uh, Grant Cohn and Grant covers the 49ers. I've followed him on Twitter for a while here. You can follow him at Grant cone that's C-O-H-N. Uh, he runs uh, all49ers.com, part of the Sports Illustrated family of NFL websites. And I think you're going to enjoy Grant. He, he really uh, tells it like it is. Grant, welcome to the Terrible Podcast with Dave and Alex.
1: Man, you really built me up. I got to do my best today. I'm going to tell it like it is. <laughs> How you doing, man?
0: Doing great. We are pleased to have you here, obviously, kicking off the NFL season. And uh, just uh, to let everybody know, this is obviously in Friday's podcast. We are recording this Thursday morning. So, uh, uh, obviously, ahead of the NFL season, kicking off Thursday night with the game between the uh, Lions and the Chiefs there. Grant, uh, uh, busy, busy... Uh, last several hours for you obviously with the 49ers finally getting Nick Bosa signed to that monster contract uh I think you had a little bit of a pushback uh on them to to some degree with maybe you know they waited all this time and still ended up caving or something uh to that degree so let's let's first and foremost let's let's get your thoughts on on the 49ers signing Bosa to this monster deal
1: I mean, it's better than them not signing him. Like, if they were going to trade Nick Bosa, that'd be something you would do before the draft. So, like, that wasn't an option. And it just seemed like, why are they taking so long? It seems like with a guy like Nick Bosa, you either give him exactly what he wants or or you trade him. How do you negotiate? What do you tell him? He was the defensive player of the year. You tell him, oh, you're injury prone and just ruin the relationship forever. So they dragged it out, and they dragged it out, and now we're like three days before the season starts, and he's not even in California, and you're thinking, even if they do sign him, what is he going to be able to do? and they get him at the very last minute and it's reported that they give him 34 million dollars a year. Like a couple of days ago, they were saying, I don't know if the Niners are so comfortable giving him more than Aaron Donald. They'll make him the highest paid edge rusher of all time, but more than Aaron Donald. And then like the next day it's like more than 2 million per year more than Aaron Donald. So it feels like they tried to negotiate, they dragged it out, they wasted a month that he could have been there and then ultimately gave him like 95 to 98% of what he wanted. Maybe he wanted 35% and they like shaved him down to 34%. It's like, at what cost? You could have had him in training camp. You have a brand new defensive coordinator, Steve Wilkes. I don't even know if they've met each other yet. I know TJ Watt did a similar thing and came back and killed it, but he was there. Like Nick Bosa hasn't even been in the facility. He hasn't been in the meetings. I wonder how much he's going to play in this game. I, I I wouldn't be surprised if it's just, Third downs, because would he even know his assignments on first and second? I don't know.
0: And that—that's kind of leading it. You kind of partially answer my question. I know Shanahan said unless he shows up with a beer belly or something uh, uh, to that degree and asked how many snaps are you know are there in a the game, but but yeah, you're right. You know, he hasn't been around the team uh, all this time, and look, uh, without a doubt, he, I, I'm sure he's probably kept himself in, in great physical shape. But nothing—I mean, nothing replaces you know, being out there and kind of being in football shape. And you're right, a little bit different with T.J. Watt because it was kind of one of those newfangled hold-ins, if you will, still doing conditioning on the side and getting the schemes and all like that. If you were to predict, you know, let, let's say it's a 62-snap uh, defensive game uh, for for the 49ers on Sunday, g- give, me, give me a percentage of what you think he's going to play on Sunday.
1: I would think less than 50. I think more than 50 would be irresponsible. Most of the time he plays 75 plus, but I mean, I just, he just flew out last night. Then he's going to fly to Pittsburgh. What's his endurance like? Seems like 20 to 25 would be ideal, but if the game is close and in the fourth quarter, he's probably going to be out there. It's going to be interesting to see from the Steelers perspective. Like if the Niners just try to play Nick Bosa on third downs to sort of Um, work around his lack of endurance do the Steelers get a first down on third down and then go no huddle to keep Nick Bosa out there and test his endurance or do they say hey the Niners want to play Nick Bosa sparingly thank you (laughs) we'll take it I don't know it'll be interesting
2: to flip over Grant to the offensive side of the football obviously the quarterback situation Brock Purdy should start this weekend how has he looked through his rehab and recovery could there be any limitations not from a snap count perspective, but just a schematic perspective, how are they going to handle Purdy in this first game back?
1: This is a a really interesting topic. Uh, First of all, he in training camp didn't play particularly well. Like he threw a lot of interceptions in training camp or, and passes that were dropped by the defense. Then he went to the, and you're thinking like, okay, the Niners have a great defense. These guys coming off an injury. Okay. No big deal. Then he went to the Raiders for two joint practices, did it again. They picked him off a bunch of times and the Raiders don't have that good of a, A defense. So I'm looking at him, and I'm thinking, like, do you have the zip you had last year? And even if it's comparable, is the book on him better? If you look at his passing chart, it's stark. Like, he throws left. All of his best areas on the field are to the left. He rolls left. He throws left. He's not that good at throwing to the right. People know it. It's out there. Like, what are you going to do? What he did against the Niners in training camp was throw left and get picked all the time. So I – Purdy I mean uh Pickett's a similar athlete I mean probably a better athlete but a similar quarterback Steelers have seen this they haven't seen Purdy specifically but if they're prepared for him I'm I'm really curious to see if Purdy's the real deal like Niner fans are celebrating right now like they already won the Super Bowl just because they got Nick Bosa signed like you're supposed to do that the real question to me is Purdy guy's eight starts he's 23 years old and everyone's expecting he's going to win the Super Bowl this year like see what that arm really looks like. He played three drives in the preseason uh, against backups. He hasn't faced anything like this Steelers defense in a long time. And the last time the Niners faced a defense like this on the road was in Philly, and they didn't make it through the first drive. Because the Niners will call these—I mean, let's see how arrogant their, their uh, game plan is. If they don't really respect the Steelers front seven, they call these slow-developing seven-step drops from under center, either play action or not. And they ask Colton McKivitz or whomever— to block TJ Watt. And the same thing is going to happen that happened in the NFC Championship game when Hassan Reddick ruined it. I'm really curious to see how the Niners protect Brock Purdy. They got to be really careful here. It's not a playoff game. It's week one. They got to get the ball out of his hands really fast all the time.
2: Yeah, I'm with you. And I was going to bring up Colton McKibbitts. I think that's the biggest question mark or one of them, at least offensively replacing Mike McGlinchey. You guys got what, five career starts, former, you know, day three pick. Now he's going to have to take on TJ Watt in week one. What about mckivitz made this team so confident that he could be the guy to replace him and how has mckivitz look this summer
1: i don't know why they're so i mean no disrespect to cole mckivitz they're paying him like a million dollars his cap is like a million dollars this year i think what they like about him is how cheap he is i think they felt look mike mcglinchey's not i don't know why mike mcglinchey got so much money from the broncos he's not good he's really not good and i think they felt look we've been working around mike mcglinchey for years mckivitz isn't that much worse They're comparable. Like in 2021, McGlinchey went down and they replaced him with Tom Compton. And you could argue their run game got better uh, and their pass protection was equally bad. So I think they're hoping that McKivitt's, while he's not the run blocker that McGlinchey is, is like mentally tougher. I don't know, man. It just doesn't make any sense to me. He's like the cheapest right tackle in the league. They don't really take the position seriously. I think they think like, okay, we're a run first team. And when we do outside zone to the right, we have the tight end at the point of attack. It's really more about Kittle than, than McKivitz. Whatever, man. Like it, it, there's going to be five to 15 plays a game that are third down or drop back. And he's going to have to be one-on-one against TJ Watt. And he doesn't ruin the game for you. I don't get it. I just, the Niners are very old school in how they build their team. They still look at it like it's 1997 and right tackle is not a premium position. Meanwhile, the rest of the league is paying right tackles like they pay left tackles. This has been one of the Niners biggest issues. They have a great team and they can put together a very expensive team because they don't spend on their offensive line other than left tackle. They don't spend on quarterbacks. I mean, if you choose not to spend at those two positions, then, yeah, you can get the highest paid middle linebacker and the highest paid running back and the highest paid running back wide receiver hybrid and the highest paid tight end. You can do all that stuff. But are you going to win a Super Bowl? I don't know. They haven't.
0: When you look at uh, offensively and, and some of the pieces there, everybody knows should know who uh, Debo Samuel is, a fine young player. And Brandon cut come into his own. Uh, might be a little bit uh, uh, underrated still, I think, maybe across the league at this point. Steeler fans are familiar with Ray-Ray McLeod's coming off that wrist injury. Sound like he's going to go. But uh, I, I a lot of people probably don't know a, a lot about Juwan Jennings. Uh Uh, you know, and obviously I think the 49ers like to run a lot more heavy stuff than, than, than maybe 11 personnel and all like that. But what's, uh, what's the four one one on Juwan Jennings?
1: That's a really interesting question. Juwan Jennings is like Kyle Shanahan's secret weapon, like on third and seven. He knows the defensive coordinator is thinking about anyone but Jawan Jennings. He's thinking about IU. How do I stop? Ayuk, Debo, Kittle, and McCaffrey on the same play. And so what you'll have is Jennings in the slot running either, you know, a seven-yard in-cut or a seven-yard out-cut. And a lot of times he's the primary receiver. They'll go to him a lot of times on that quick out or either one. I mean, he runs like two routes. He's like a tight end. He catches the ball in traffic and he breaks a tackle and he gets like two or three yards afterwards. He's really good really tough six foot three uh makes very difficult zero fear 210 pounds kind of bullies dbs as a blocker he's the niner's secret weapon they'll go to him in key situations like a lot of times in the past kyle Shanahan has trusted Jawan more than Ayuk or debo on gotta have it gotta get open gotta catch the ball plays so third and long third and whatever do
0: you think we'll see kind of i mean basically you know what the mo has been on this offense uh uh, uh, with, with obviously with Purdy Dayton, Dayton back, well, really uh, Kyle Shanahan, uh, Kyle Shanahan offense in general, in other words, are we going to get a lot of heavier looks? I mean, do you expect, unless they, they trail or get into a two minute, uh, hurry up situation here, that we'll see just you know two wide receivers on the field along with you know Kittle and either you know uh, Jusak or 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 uh, my boy Charlie. I mean, I was a big Charlie Warner fan coming out of out of out of Georgia, and uh, he obviously is stuck. But uh, do you you see him using a lot of heavy formations in this?
1: Not not necessarily like their tight end depth to your point is not there. They drafted Cam Latu in the third round this year. He's on IR for the whole year. Charlie Warner. I mean, I don't know if he's ever caught a pass in the NFL. If he did, I don't remember it. Ross Dwelly is, I mean, he has good hands. You don't know who Ross Dwelly is. He's one of their backups and he's just not much of a blocker. He's more of a yeah. receiving tight end. So, I mean, 21 personnel with use check will be out there about half the time. Uh, but I think they do like their wide receivers a lot. Um, okay. And I think what you're going to see with with the Niners, it's going to be different than what they had with, with Jimmy. Jimmy's like the slowest quarterback in the NFL. No disrespect to Jimmy. He does what he does well. He's good in the shotgun. He gets the ball out of his hands quickly. But Kyle wants to be under center. He wants to do play action bootlegs. He wants to fake the outside zone to the right and boot left. And not that many quarterbacks are quick enough and good enough. At, I mean, a lot of quarterbacks can do it, but Jimmy couldn't. He couldn't really do that. He didn't have the quickness to roll out to the left and be effective. Brock Purdy is really good at rolling to his left. It's what he wants to do anyway. And you're going to see a whole lot of play action pocket movement that you didn't see in the past with Jimmy. That you That's the big difference between him and Brock. Also, Brock holds the ball a really long time. Like Kyle wants him to get rid of the ball quickly, but Brock likes to like ad lib and hold on to it like he's Russell Wilson. He doesn't have Russell Wilson's athleticism or deep ball, but he tries to play like he's Russell Wilson. It's kind of like J- Johnny Manziel, like Brock Purdy. Th- I don't know who he thinks he is, but his confidence is like st- it, it really jumps off the screen. And I don't know how long it's going to last. I, I, people are skeptical. I'm a little skeptical, but right now, well, at least before the injury, he walked around the field like he was Russell, like young Russell Wilson. So we'll see if, if he still has that confidence after this surgery.
2: To go to the defense again, Grant, what's the book on Charvarius Ward? You know, paid him a good amount of money, what, uh, last or two off-seasons ago. Uh, Is is he a a top-like corner? I've never necessarily gotten that sense. Had a bunch of tackles last year. I think he's pretty aggressive against the run. Is this a a, a top-end dude or just kind of a middling guy that maybe they paid a little too much for?
1: Mm, I wouldn't say he's middling. He is good against the run. He's aggressive in man coverage. You play him in press man coverage against most wide receivers in the league he's going to have the advantage he doesn't intercept a lot of passes but he'll break them up with his you know he'll he'll play with his back to the the play man-to-man coverage trail and he'll actually make plays on the ball which isn't easy six foot one he's a big corner um that being said like he was really playing well early last year Niners look like they are smart for the investment then they played Kansas City his former team and they kind of lit him up and ever since then, I feel like he lost a little confidence. Like he got lit up down the stretch last year. He gave up a long touchdown catch in the playoffs to DK Metcalf. And was like, not even close. He was just burned. And what's interesting is the Niners have his other cornerback. Who's young D'Amador Lenore. He's in his third year. He's not making a lot of money. He's a fifth round pick down the stretch last year, especially in the playoffs he was the better corner. Like that was the guy you needed to worry about because he was intercepting passes and Ward was not. So I'm curious to see if that carries over. Lenore is the one who's really been improving. Got a lot to prove. He'll play an outside in uh, the base defense. And I think they're going to be moving him in the slot and nickel. So watch for him. He used to be number 38. Now he's number two. I think seven is the guy I'd look at to go after seven ward.
2: Okay. Gotcha. Also, gotcha. Also, also, yeah. also mm-hmm. in
1: three and in, in nickel, like, whoever the third corner is going to be like you could move Lenore to the to the nickel what they want what they want to do and then put Ambry Thomas or Samuel Womack out there you got to test those guys because they when they get beat they get beat deep and then if they keep Lenore out outside and bring in Isaiah Oliver for the slot like he had the worst training camp preseason on the team like he played himself off the team but they gave him a two-year contract with like three million dollars guaranteed and kept him. But you could argue that he was so bad, he shouldn't even be on the the roster. So if he's on the field, 26, like, that's a green light. I'm curious to see how the Niners handle that nickel defense.
2: Yeah, and Pittsburgh's going to come out in 11 personnel, and they need more explosive play, so they're probably going to test that. My my last question for you, Grant, and I'll let Dave close things out. Just a big-picture question, and I know it's week one. Who knows how the season will go, but what's the either your expectation or the general expectation for the 49ers this year? Is anything other than making it to the Super Bowl in a weaker Mm -hmm. NFC a disappointment. I know that's an incredibly high bar. Only one team NFC gets to go there, but is it, is it basically a super bowl or bus type year for this team?
1: I think so. I think this is the closest I can remember to a team being in like a true super bowl or bus situation where like people could get fired if they don't at least reach the super bowl because they've been so close for so long and their core is getting older and, like they've botched like despite having such a good team they kind of look dysfunctional like they threw away three first round picks on trey lance they didn't know what they wanted they never really gave him a chance they thought they wanted him they realized they didn't so those like those that could have been michael parsons that could have been all this depth that they don't have anymore so if they have injuries and fall off they can't say oh well we had injuries it's like yeah well you would have had depth and 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 people to replace them but you threw those valuable draft capital away. Also. You said you didn't you said you wanted Sam Darnold more than Trey Lance. So, if Brock you said Brock Purdy's the real deal. You said Sam Darnold's like could be the next Steve Young. So, it seems like you have the exact team you want. Kyle was always sort of playing it cool like, "Oh, you know, we have Jimmy Garoppolo, but I really wanted Kirk Cousins or he never really tied himself down to a quarterback. Now he's tied down. He likes Brock Purdy. They have the exact team they want. They've been building it for 7 years. Like, what? The NFC isn't good. I, why are you not going to make it to the Super Bowl this year? You have the best coach, apparently. I don't, I mean, I don't see what the excuse is. Niner fans have been really patient. Um, We'll see how the season ends up, but if they go one, and if they don't make the playoffs, if they make the playoffs and lose in the first round, I think you're going to see like a, a really angry, disappointed uh, fan base. I don't know what Steeler fans are like, but Niner fans... <laughs> similar very similar it's been since 1995 since they won a super bowl they won five in like what a 15 year stretch and then it's been nothing since i was seven not that i'm a fan but uh it's been a long time and i feel like it's it's kind of a a salty fan base
2: well pittsburgh hasn't won a playoff game since 2016 so we'll we'll join you in the saltiness
1: because yeah both
2: teams i think are, are looking to break those droughts dave go ahead
0: uh, grant uh, i think it's fairly easy to connect the dots here with with, with Steve Wilkes coming in and all like that and uh, you know obviously with kind of the recent history of the 49ers running a lot of zone and wilkes has a lot of uh, uh history of zone so I, I would expect that we'd see a lot of zone in this game i think last year in that game against the panthers Wilkes uh, really tried to uh, stack the box quite a bit and you know uh forced force force maybe kenny to try to throw the football are you seeing that are you is that going to be the attack this uh this time around and and, and don't you know make Kenny kind of attack those, uh, zone areas, uh, and not give him too many opportunities on, cause Kenny, Kenny's not afraid we've learned already to take those one-on-one shots on the outside against, you know, man coverage there, but it doesn't sound like the 49ers personnel. And look, Hufanga, that, that's a, that's a fantastic player to watch, but, uh, uh, mm-hmm. that's a whole, we could do a whole nother 30 minutes on him, I think. But, uh, are you expecting a lot of zone in this and basically make, make, uh, Kenny Pickett make the right decisions there?
1: That's that seems like it would be the smartest thing to do. I mean, you have Nick Bosa. Uh, I mean, think about it. They've had Robert Sala and D'Amico Ryan's the last six years. Those two play callers are fairly conservative. They mostly rush four. they mostly play zone. Um, they might rush five on some third downs and have some specialty pressures, but essentially it's not a lot they're doing now. Steve Wilkes wants. How's he going to be different? Hey, it, it, are the are the changes he's going to bring to this defense? Are they going to be changes to defense? I'm, I don't even know. We haven't seen him game plan for anyone yet. It's going to be really interesting. What, what I did see him against Brock Purdy in the one in the Niners first team offense in training camp was he would bring a lot of five and six man pressures on third down and try to force Purdy to take those shots one on one down the sideline because really Purdy, that's not his game. Maybe to the left, but not to the right. I don't know about Kenny Pickett, but we'll see how much respect Steve Wilkes has. You said they faced him last year, right? So how how did Steve Wilkes approach Pickett last year?
0: Yeah, they, they, they really crowded the box quite a bit. Okay. You know, well, okay. that was, uh, that was the Mitch Trubisky game, though. Uh, I okay. believe. Okay. Uh, cause I think Pickett missed that one, uh, because of the, uh, the concussion from the week ahead of there. So really, this will be the first, you know, first really good look, I think, uh, of, 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 of Pickett against, uh, Steve Wilkes here. But, uh, all right. Uh, one. Before I get your prediction here, uh, the other thing that I had on my mind was yards after the catch here. Obviously, the 49ers, real good. Mike Tomlin highlighted that during his press conference and with good reason, wanted to big things the Steelers need to do this year is be much, I mean, much, much better after the catch. Is this game going to come down to if it, you know it, uh, the yards after the catch situation here? Because it, it feels like this is going to be a tightly contested game. Uh, Vegas obviously agrees, even though the 49ers like two, two and a half uh, point favorites, but uh, is, it, is, is this a, a, a yards after the catch and turnover game?
1: No question about it. If you're going to beat the Niners, you got to not let Debo Samuel break a ton of ca- a t- uh, a- a ton of tackles because Brock Purdy really doesn't push the ball down the field. Like it's kind of a pejorative out here and people, some fans get upset, but he's a dinker and a dunker, like extraordinaire. He has the weakest arm of any starting quarterback in the league. What he does is he moves around a lot and then throws little short passes. And I'll, he throws to Christian McCaffrey all the time. He's a check down extraordinaire. So the the thing about the Niners, they, they're the best yards after the catch players in the league you got to be able to tackle them it seems like the Steelers have a good uh defense that can make those tackles like you have the you have the run defense to set the edge you're probably going to do a good job against Christian McCaffrey in the run game but can you stop Debo and McCaffrey as receivers if you can then the Niners probably score only about 19 points if not they could run it up on you and score 30 35 I mean it's all about tackling They, they turn the game into a tackling contest most teams don't
0: All right, Grant, as an outsider, uh, we'll we'll finish you up with this. Uh, Obviously, you follow all of the NFL. I know you pay attention to the Steelers, too. Uh, What are your thoughts on the 2023 Steelers, and how about a prediction for the Sunday game, if you wouldn't mind?
1: Uh, I like the Steelers. I think they have – they're a very consistent team every year. They don't change very much. They have a consistent philosophy, consistent scheme. They're a solid team. They're always ready to play early in the season as opposed to the Niners, who usually get going in November. Um, That being said, I feel like they're still sort of building. They're still kind of young and the Niners are like one of the more established veteran teams in the league. I like Kenny Pickett, but he kind of reminds me of Brock Purdy. Like I feel like if they redrafted the 2022 draft, those two would be taken kind of similarly in similar spots. Um, I think the Niners should win this game, but and this is because they're more talented than Pittsburgh right now, but at the same time, this is a team that historically starts slow. They did not play well in the preseason. They had a, they, this this whole attitude. It kind of felt like all offseason, like we'll be there, we'll show up week one. Bose is not here; he'll show up week one. If they just show up to Pittsburgh in that environment, they're going to lose. So let's see. Like they have this wave of emotion that Nick Bose is back, almost like they traded for a player, which is kind of hilarious to me. Like he's supposed to be there, but yeah, I think the Niners should win this game, but they're vulnerable. They're vulnerable. You, you got a score? 24-21.
0: Okay. All right. So they just do uh barely uh barely cover Just there. enough. Just uh-huh. enough. All right. Uh, Grant, look, uh, fantastic. Uh, enjoy following you on Twitter. Uh, and uh, let, let's see, uh, all49ers.com, right? And Grant? It's it's
1: si.com slash NFL slash 49ers.
0: Okay. All right. And yeah. it's Grant Cohn on Twitter. G-R-A-N-T-C-O-H-N. Grant, yes, it is. Uh, we appreciate uh, having you being a first-timer on the Terrible Podcast with uh, Dave and Alex. Uh, enjoy your trip out uh, to
1: Pittsburgh. Again, enjoy the game. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure to be on. And welcome
2: back to the Terrible Podcast. And again, our special thanks to Grant cone for coming on and giving his insight on the 49ers. Be sure to follow him at Grant cone that's C O H N, and tell him thanks for coming on the podcast. They good stuff from him.
0: Yeah, 49ers guys are usually hard to come by, as we said during that interview and all. So uh, I was glad. And look, he's very outspoken. Uh, when it comes to some of the things that go on, you know, that go on, uh, uh, with that organization and all, uh, you know, he talked about how, uh, he wasn't really a huge, huge fan of how they kind of handled the whole Nick Bosa thing and all like that. But, you know, when it's all said and done, he picked them to uh, to win the game. Right. So uh, he obviously thinks that this uh, this 49ers team uh, can compete in 2023 and with good reason and all like that. But uh, it, it always is good to get the outside perspective like that from uh, from someone uh, that, you know, that that's up, up close with the team.
2: All right, Dave, let's give our perspective now on this game before we make our picks in a little bit, starting with that 49ers offense and their personality is, you know, run heavy, stretch zone, boot, play action. Um, You know, again, marrying run concepts, pass concepts, things looking the same. It's pretty West Coast, a lot of under center, even more traditional five, seven step drops, um, horizontal crossers that type of stuff. So that offense, it, it's talented. It's good. It, it's really sound schematically. That's the biggest challenge. But uh, as Patrick Peterson said, there's, there's probably a level of predictability in terms of what they'd like to do.
0: Yeah. I think first and foremost, uh, uh, get them kind of out of their comfort zone as, as best as you can, uh, uh, stopping the run game on early downs. And, you know, going to probably see some, a lot of Kyle Jusak in this game, uh, I, I want to I I'm interested. Uh, you, Brock Purdy had a hell of a damn you know season there. But but overall, and I, you know, I think uh, who was it uh, uh, that said you know there yeah there's enough tape on him uh, at, at at this point. I, I'm not I'm not so sure that once the good thing with him is there's not a lot of tape on him right now. So you haven't had to see him in a lot of, I don't think overall kind of adverse situations there. Uh, I, I want to get him in as many opportunities where, you know, a, know he's going to throw the football. uh, Know that he's got to hold on to the football because like it or not, he's still got to be thinking about what went down early in that game against the Eagles, right? Uh, The Eagles really were getting after uh, the the quarterback early in that game. the way I think that you make him make mistakes is just get him out of that, that really structured offensive uh, game plan uh, uh, where you know he's able to get the ball out and make quick decisions and all like that. So the, the more that you can get him in the adverse situations where it's not where he has to think and where he has to hold on to the football, I think you have the more po- 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 potential to make something happen.
2: What do you think the key is to – I'll hesitate and say, and not say stop because stopping is, is really difficult, but how do you slow down Christian McCaffrey? Because to do that with Purdy, that means slowing down this 49ers run game, which means slowing down Christian McCaffrey.
0: Yeah. Uh, you you, you got to get him down to the ground. That's for sure. Right, mm-hmm. right away there. I mean, the guy is good out in space and they will use him uh, out in space. I, I, I I would like to take my chances on forcing them more into the inside. I think to be honest with you, uh, I don't think you want to let a guy like that get on uh, uh, to the edge because I, I, think he is the guy that can uh, once again, if he turns the corner, you know, but, but with, within the, with the same breath, I mean, he's, he's, he's established himself as a, between the tackles uh, runner as well too. So, you know, yada, yada, keep, uh, stay, stay, Uh, uh, sound in your gaps and don't try to do too much overall. He's going to have his three, four, five yard carries in this game, but you can't let him pop uh, the, the seven, nine, 10, 12 yard runs because those stack up over the game. And then, you know, he's all obviously one of the better pass receiving running backs in the NFL on top of it. So, uh, you know, you, you, you gotta be able to account for him in, in the passing game.
2: Yeah, you do. Um, I think the backside pursuit's gonna be really important to try to eliminate those cutback lanes for somebody like McCaffrey. So, you know, I think Pittsburgh has two edge guys that are really good at that. Really all their edge guys, I think, have proven that, but Watt and Highsmith, you know, the most. And I think Herbig and Golden have the mentality to to squeeze the backside there. So I think that's going to be important. I think, yeah, up front being gap sound, doing your job um, is going to be, be really critical. I really want to see how Pittsburgh handles their two back. When use check comes in, you know, he can uh, he can flex out wide. He can be in the backfield. I put in my scouting report today. We have uh, scouting reports for myself and Josh Carney, Jonathan Hightrader, Uh Please check those out on Steelers Depot. But um, they, they run weak side a lot. And what they do is typically is, you know, they'll run weak side away from the tight end, but they'll do it out of two back. And so they'll have the fullback be that lead blocker running weak side and try to basically gain numbers that way where they're running away from the strength, but they still have the lead blocker advantage. And so I think that's, that's an interesting wrinkle, uh, that you don't see from a lot of teams, but just generally speaking, how does Pittsburgh handle their 21 personnel when 44 use check comes in? Could we see some big nickel in this game that three safety package to deal with Kittle and deal with how multiple this team can be out of that 21 personnel because they can split these guys out and you check can be a space player. He played over 500 offensive snaps last year. So I really want to see how Pittsburgh handles, you know, 21 personnel because that may dictate a lot of what happens in this game.
0: Man, They've got a lot of weapons there, right? And even a 80 percent Kittle, if that's what it ends up being, is a guy that can I mean, we, we, you know, we've already seen it. And not only that, you know, uh, what he does as a blocker in the run game. You know, you want to talk about throwback tight ends. He's a difference maker when it comes to that. And that's obviously one of why uh, he's regarded as one of the best in the NFL. Uh, some of the things that we, we've we talked about several times during the offseason of, of deficiencies that the Steelers have offensively. The yards after the catch and the explosive plays. If there's one thing that and Mike Thoma pointed this out, and you know, it, it 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 it's evident with guys like Debo Samuel and McCaffrey and 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 Kittle is the yards after the catch. This we could look at this uh uh after the game. And if it's if it's lopsided with the 49ers You know, obviously in in the yards after the catch category, either they're going to have to limit what the what the 49ers do in in the yards after the catch category to stay in this game. Or the Steelers are going to have to hang with them when it comes to the yards uh, after after the catch uh, in this game. And uh, until we see it out of the Steelers offense, that increase that we've been calling for. You almost have to root for the side of limiting what what the Forty Niners uh, uh, doing. That man, Debo Samuel is is is, is uh, a, a much better what you know uh, Juju used to give this offense, right? Uh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. He, he, he can break tackles with the, with the best of them, probably want one, one of the better ones in the NFL at the wide receiver position and, and deliver an explosive uh, play that time, you know, especially when you get down in, in, in how many times have we seen over the years with Debo down, down in, you know, in, 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 kind of the high red zone area, him be able to take a short pass and then 14, 14 yards later, he's, he's in the end zone there. So, uh, one of the biggest things, and I think, you know, Cam Hayward's talked about this. Obviously, Tomlin talked about it. Uh, I think Terrell Austin uh, talked about it is they're 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 going to have, they're going to have their completions. They're going to have uh, their, their run successes in this game. But, man, just don't let them kill you with, like, four-point, you know, four-point yards after the catch in this game. If you do that, I think you have a lot better opportunity keeping it close.
2: The disparity between the yards after catch for these offenses couldn't be more striking. San Francisco was tied for the league best in terms of yards after the catch per reception last year at 6.6, and Pittsburgh was dead last at 4.0. And granted, the offensive structure and the philosophy is a bit different overall, which kind of lends itself to more yak for San Francisco, less for Pittsburgh. But these numbers have to tighten up in this game, as you said. There's no doubt about that. The other thing, and it's a a big picture thing, but it's really important, is the 49ers don't beat themselves. They really are a clean team. They only turned the ball over 17 times last year. That was third fewest in the NFL. Their uh, 13 plus 13 turnover ratio was the best in the NFL. So they just win the turnover battle. They don't hurt themselves. And that allows them to compete and ultimately win a ton of these games. So that's going to be the challenge. In terms of the pass game, I think when you talk matchups, you have to talk about TJ Watt on Colton McKivitz. They're, they're right tackle replacing the departed Mike McLinchy, who signed with Denver in free agency. Um, they've talked up McKivitz. They think he's ready to, to do the job. But of course, when you face TJ Watt, are you ever really ready? So that's going to be, you know, we talk about Dan Moore and a core four versus Nick Bosa. I'm sure all San Francisco is discussing is Colton McKivitz versus TJ Watt and all the plans of how do you slow this guy down with chips and alignment and slides. I mean, that's going to be the whole chess match.
0: Look god uh, this could be a game this uh, TJ Watt can turn the tide uh at, you know as he can in most any game uh you, this is one of those things i did that whole series uh this past offseason on the tackles that uh that TJ Watt will face uh, Mc, you know uh McKivitz is one of those guys that you think that T.J. Watt can have a very solid, you know, of the guys on the list that, and here's the other thing that Texans tackle. They're not going to have him, uh, you know, a couple of games from now on top of it. That was another one, you know, I think that you kind of look look forward to watching that battle. But, you know, on Sunday here, they're obviously going to give T.J. Watt a lot of attention in this game. So, if they do do that, I mean, TJ's still going to have his wins, you would think overall, but you it's not like you can put two guys on him every play here. So you know, if, if TJ can just have his, uh, I think he could have a big game. I think he could have a, you know, a multi-sack game at that. Uh, I think the big thing is, is can he get that football out? uh, and, and, and make a big difference in a play that way. But it, you know, uh, for the attention that he gets, somebody else has got to step up in this thing. And sure. they've got a great, great tackle, obviously in Trent Williams, uh, over there, Alex Heisman going to have his hands, uh, full. I, fi- I found it quite curious at NFL.com, uh, um, <laughs>
2: uh,
0: with Card, you know, with, uh, David card, trying what, what's the matchup to watch had Trent Williams versus TJ watt. I mean, how does that one's how, how does that one slip because uh Watt, you know they play different different sides overall here but uh what can be a difference maker in this game uh, uh, especially against uh that right tackle and once again the attention that he gets should put the highlight how, how many times have we talked about how deep this front is for the set for, for the Steelers uh up front here and that it, by having all those guys healthy it's going to produce one some some very tasty one-on-one matchups for everybody else on that on that defensive line. So really the 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 big focal point here is is along with maybe get getting your regular stuff out of TJ Watt is is what can someone else do on that line.
2: That's my concern to be honest with you because we know the 49ers are going to spend a lot of energy on trying to limit TJ Watt not stop him, but they're going to make his day difficult as Pittsburgh. Well, I'm sure will try to do with Bosa and company. So you have Watt getting doubled and shipped and all that on that side, and then on the other side, as you mentioned, it's Trent Williams, the Hall of Fame, you know, future Hall of Fame left tackle against Alex Highsmith. I mean, that's going to be a tough matchup there. So if Highsmith is struggling to consistently win on that side, and Watt's dealing with all the crap he's dealing with on his side, where is that main source of the pass rush going to come from? Of course, you got Cam Hayward and Joby have to provide that along the interior, maybe some more blitzing in this game. I think one thing I noted in my report, the the, the 49ers backs don't really stay in to protect against the blitz. They go out there in the flats, and, and the calculation is instead of having McCaffrey just stay in and, and pick up the linebacker, just go to the flat, and we're going to throw to him hot and let him make plays in space because he's a better receiver than he's going to be a blocker. He's more valuable in that sense. So can Pittsburgh come up with some creative blitzes that the 49ers might not account for that might get home just in time to, to sack Brock Purdy. So I want to see that chess match between the 49ers throwing hot and Pittsburgh Blitzen. Okay. Now, what else do I have here for the 49ers? Yeah. I mean, no one talks about, everyone talks about Debo Samuel and George Kittle and rightfully so they're fantastic players, but Brandon Ayuk led the team in receptions in yards and had a couple of touchdowns last year. He's another threat as well. That does not get recognized enough. And so you got to account for Ayuk as well. Um, Brock Purdy threw four interceptions last year, but all four of them, I think were 15 plus yards down the field. And so if you can put him in those situations to throw deep, you can win, but if he's throwing short, if he's on schedule, they're moving the chains and it's going to be tough for him to turn the football over. It's going to be tough to win a game in which the 49ers do not, you know, give the football away.
0: Gonna have to have, uh, some, you're going to definitely have to have some takeaways in this game here. And, you know, you mentioned, uh, Ray, Ray McLeod. Uh, earlier, right uh, you know, we haven't really even focused on special teams yet. Uh, Ray, Ray McLeod, not the most sure-handed guy back there, even when he does have a healthy wrist, <laughs> <True>. <laughs> right, right? Uh, you, you're going to have to have a takeaway or two in this game. I think to win, I, I don't, I don't think you can have, uh, and especially if the Steelers turn the football over, but I think if the, if the stat sheet shows, uh, zero, zero in the turnover column, that might not be enough.
2: Yeah, I think it's gonna be tough to do. I don't know what the exact stat when the 49ers were even in turnover ratio, but I'm betting they didn't lose many games when that occurred last year. So any other final thoughts here for this 49ers offense, Dave?
0: Uh no, I think we I think we covered it.
2: All right, flipping over to the defense, and of course you look at that defensive line and Bosa playing and they add Javon Hargrave to that mix. And so it's a unit that got after the quarterback last year that looks stronger this year. And so the big question is, Dave, off the top, how do you slow down Nick Bosa? <laughs> uh,
0: baseball bat, maybe. Uh, <laughs> Legally. Yeah. Uh, you're going to have to, ch- you know, all, all the things that you do with uh, with good pass rushers around the league. You're going to have to, and, and what, you know, the 49ers are at times going to have to do against T.J. Watt. Uh, you're going to have to try to get an elbow into him. Uh, you're going to have to, uh, you know, one of the things, obviously, to try to slow Bosa down is get the ball out before he can even get to you. Uh, that might be the single biggest thing that we see, uh, with, uh, with this offense. Cause look, I, I think we expect Steve Wilkes in this defense, uh, just their MO over the years, uh, uh, those two things specifically is to play a lot of zone, uh, type stuff. And, 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 you know, I, Hey, you're going to have to be able to run the football good early. Uh, that that's one thing that you can help. I, I, you know, I want to, I want to make both to have to log as many snaps as possible. So the longer that you can dry, uh, extend some of these drives out, uh, the more likely you are to get him off the field at certain points on top of it there. But uh, in in the opportunities that, you know, big, big passing downs and, and stuff like that, you, you're going to have to probably put a tight end on him. Uh, I, I would introduce him to Darnell Washington mm-hmm. a little bit uh, in this game, right? Uh, yep. uh, see how he likes – to get leaned on by, by, by a a big boy like that. Yeah. I think you're going to see a lot of two tight end uh, uh, 12 personnel in this game. Uh, I, I think you're going to see that old bully ball mentality, at least early on to see what they can, uh, uh, get accomplished with that. Not only in the running game, but potentially in the passing game as well. Well, too. I, I, the biggest thing to slow him down is is wear on him. I think with big with, with help and big bodies, and then the other thing is is try to get the ball out as soon as possible uh, and don't give him time to win.
2: No, I think you said it well. I think if he's playing more snaps than you think, if he's playing early on, you know, first and second down, two things I would do: a run at him to try to wear him down a little bit, minimize obviously the pass rush threat, and then throw some screens his way, whether it's running back or. Wide receiver screens, get this guy running, test that conditioning, maybe tire him out a little bit early, maybe, you know, force San Francisco to use him a little bit less than, than they may want to. So I think you got to, you know, like any good pass rusher, you got to really just kind of make his life tough to start and get these guys running and thinking and out of their comfort zone and uh, just kind of set the tone early. So I'm with you on Washington and it's still not easy to do. I think it's a big test for Dan Moore. You know, how does he handle Speed the power—that's kind of always been his his issue. He's gotten better at that, I think, this summer. But when you face Bosa, it's a whole new test.
0: And he's going to move around, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, he's a guy that can play both sides. You know, Miles Garrett's predominantly a you know right defensive end. Max Crosby, they will see in week three. He's predominantly a left defensive end. Bose is a guy that can flip. I forget what side he plays more of, but in this game, he's certainly capable of, of facing either guy. Okay. Uh, Let's see what else do we have here. I think one note I have in my scouting report is I I might not be as heavy in this game as typically as I might be in others in terms of, you know, being 12 personnel and super, super big. I mean, you do want Washington out there maybe in some situations to to chip and all that. But what I noticed on tape was when you come out heavy, especially, you know, two back and 13 personnel and, and those really ultra heavy packages. The 49ers will really crowd the box. They always want to be plus one in the box count against those heavy personnel. They always want to have one more guy, one more defender than you have blocker. Now in more 11 personnel, things are a bit more spread out. Their box counts tend to be more even, six versus six, for example. So I may try to spread the field out a bit more to run because, man, Dave, that run defense for the 49ers is super, super tough. And they are uh, at Hargrave on top of that. They didn't allow a run last year longer than 25 yards. I mean, that's, that's just insane. And and you know, they only allowed 23 runs of 10 plus yards last year. Also the best mark in football. So how do you run on these guys for a Pittsburgh team that is going to hang their hat on how well they can run the football? That is the thing to
0: watch. Yeah. You're going to have to, once again, you're going to probably have to have the big bodies out there, right?
2: I don't know if you go the big bodies though, because the 49ers, I mean, you gotta have, you gotta really have, you gotta gotta to have boy,
0: boy, boy, I think you just muscle them up, man. I, 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 okay. I, I I, if you're going to run the football, I think you've got to try to muscle them.
2: Okay, I I think I would spread things out a little bit. I just have not seen success when teams go heavy, but but I know that's Pittsburgh wants to be that. So it is a matter of can you overpower them with with your personality will be the question.
0: Okay, I mean look, get, I, mean, I, I mean look, you're going to have to do a little bit of both. But I, I sure. think where you have the ability to have uh uh, uh really make make a difference in, I mean. You, you go back. I mean, this isn't an explosive running team anyway. So you know, I'm looking for the seven yard runs, however you can get them. You know, mm-hmm. six, six or seven yard runs, however you can get them. Uh, you've got Darnell Washington, uh, uh, for for this. You know, in my opinion, for this very reason. Uh, you've got guys like say, Amalo, Uh, you've made those uh, uh, uh changes. You know, uh, 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 up front there, you're gonna have you know. Potentially your best offensive line overall as a whole in several seasons now here. So I mean you've got a former first round draft pick in Najee Harris. It's time for those guys to earn earn their money. Uh, uh, once again, I, I think on, on early down situation, And look, it doesn't mean that you have to run out of that all the time. And you can not on first yeah. down sometimes have the eleven personnel out there as well too. Uh, as we saw, your wide receivers have got to play their part in this thing and cracking and 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 blocking out on the edge because you're not going to have those explosive plays with a guy like Najee if you don't have some of those second-level blocks.
2: Yeah, I think somebody like Allen Robinson is going to be really important in this game to crack some of these linebackers, maybe that defensive end occasionally on, on some of the toss games. So I think somebody like him could, could play a really key role in this one. Let me give you one very specific but somewhat, somewhat bold prediction in this game. I think there'll be a read option where Kenny Pickett keeps the ball and picks up a first down on third and two or second and four, whatever it is. I noticed, and granted this was without Bosa and Bosa changes the equation, but in twice in the the two preseason games that I watched against Denver and the chargers, there was a read option where one time Russell Wilson kept it. The other time the chargers back at quarterback Easton stick, kept it and picked up a first down on a read option because the end crashed down and took the back and there was no one scraping over the top to replace. So um, Pittsburgh is slightly dabble with that this summer. And I think they're going to bust it out on a, you know, key call a third and two in, in this game.
0: Hey, you want to talk about something else to keep Bob uh, Bosa thinking and slow down a little bit? One or two of those a game to his side might, yeah. might, might, might keep him thinking, right?
2: You just hope he guesses wrong. Cause if he guesses right, then your quarterbacks one on one with Nick Bosa and you better slide real quick. But yeah, I think all those things that just kind of slow him down and make this guy run and chase, become a little bit winded. Those were, those are going to be ways to, to attack Nick Bosa. And then in coverage, it's a solid unit overall. I, I do think they struggled more with bunches and stacks and switch routes. And so I think if Pittsburgh can do some of that, which I think Canada has done throughout the summer, um, three by one, you know, bunch, you know, and, and switch release and those types of things. I think just how well can the 49ers communicate and pass that off on the road was something to, to watch for.
0: Look, uh, you know, against a heavy zone, you know, are, are we going to see anything more to the middle of the field?
2: I mean, hopefully, it just depends a bit on coverage. You know, it's hard to throw in Fred Warner's airspace, though. He had 10 he had ten pass breakups last year. Pittsburgh's inside linebackers combined had nine pass breakups last year. So Fred Warner was outproducing the Steelers' entire inside linebacker group, which, granted, was not very good, but you get the point. So, you know, Fred Warner's one of those. He's the best coverage linebacker in football. He's a guy that can truly cover, you know, somebody down the seam and cover, too. So he's a tough guy to throw on.
0: You know, uh, look, and once again, this goes back to the yak. Uh, we've got to see this team have some yak.
2: You do for sure, for sure. And, uh-huh.
0: and uh, who was it, Dan? Ol- uh, uh, Dan Olszewski uh, the other day, uh, said something to the along the lines of, uh, "Look, regardless, once a quarter, you need to uh, uh, be able to get the football, take take a deep shot, uh, down the field to 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 George Pickens." Now, obviously, uh, court coverage is going to dictate a lot of that, right? Uh, uh, what you see, uh, sometimes though it might. <laughs> What about some back shoulders in this if they play a lot of zone? Could could we see a lot of that pickens to pick uh picket to pickens uh back shoulder stuff early on?
2: Yeah, we get I mean you're gonna throw that stuff on single high. So if it's gonna be cover one or cover three, and generally more cover one where the you know cornerback is running and his back's kind of turned, then that's where you throw the back shoulders. So if you if you can, you know, show you can run the ball and force the 49ers to spin that strong safety down and play with an eight-man box. That's going to create one on matchups to the outside. And that's when Pickett takes the shots to Johnson, but more particularly to George Pickens. Okay. I think the other thing to watch out for is just on third down, um, these wide nine alignments for Bosa for these defensive ends and the games and twists. And they're going to mug the A gaps and they're going to, you know, force the O line to pinch. And so it's, it's something Pittsburgh, I think, has struggled with for the past couple of years. And I think every team struggles with it to, to some degree, but. How do you handle on third down some of these more creative looks? I think they're probably – they seem to be a bit more exotic this year under Wilkes than they might have been last year under D'Amico Ryans. Okay. and
0: so You're going to need explosive plays in this game to win, plain and simple.
2: Yeah, you do. The one guy I want to talk about as well, no one talks about him. How about Tayshawn Gibson? I mean, 33 years old, had five picks last year, led the, the 49ers in interceptions. He's a veteran guy. He's played Pittsburgh before. Granted, not Kenny Pickett, but he was in Cleveland for a couple of years. He's, he's, he's got three career picks against the Steelers. So he's a guy that you know no one talks about because they're talking about bunga and they're talking about Bosa and Warner. But Tayshawn Gibson out there in center field, man, don't forget about him.
0: <laughs> it's hard to watch him when Hovang on the field, though, because he's a super talented kid.
2: Yeah. I mean, he had, you know, what 97 tackles last year, four picks, two sacks, two forced fumbles. I mean, he was kind of everywhere, but, but Gibson, I think is kind of that, that just crafty veteran against a second year quarterback. Um, you know, you want to, you want to watch that matchup. So any other thoughts here, Dave on San Francisco offense, defense, special teams, we'll see if they have McLeod, if they have Moody for Pittsburgh, um, you know, what does Calvin Austin doing as a punt returner? Um, Presley Harvin, can he flip fields field position will be important in this one? He did a great job of that this summer. So, you know, kick returns, we probably don't expect a lot of action there, but other facets of this game will be of course, important.
0: Yeah. Well, how's the, how's the, uh, kicker situation going to play into this with a, with kind of a, a bang, you know, look, he, he's not going to be out there if he can't kick, but you know, uh, obviously, uh, you're probably not as familiar with, uh, with, uh, I almost called it Heinz field stadium.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, it'll be something to, for Moody, his first game, assuming he plays and we assume that he will, if, if he doesn't though, it won't be a first game for Matthew, right? He's kicked in this stadium right. before, but, but I think that Moody is going to give it a go, but yeah, first game for a rookie kicker dealing with a quad injury. You're never quite sure what that's going to bring uh, for your team.
0: And and the other thing we talked about that you know, Mike that, that Mike Tomlin highlighted uh, the other day there is to just, you know, uh, do what you need. You know, do your job when it comes to special team stuff and let the other team make the mistake. Uh, as, as we saw uh, and talked about the other day, going back to the last couple of uh, week one games that the Steelers have had. Uh They've, they've, they've had some special teams play play in that there look this is a this is a winnable game for the Steelers i think overall especially playing in your house but i mean without a doubt too this is this is still a very potent uh, uh 49ers team and there's a reason that they're favored
2: Yeah, I mean, there's a reason why they went to the NFC title game last year and may have won had they not lost all their quarterbacks and basically played without a quarterback or one that couldn't throw for three quarters of that game. So, I mean, it's, yeah, it's winnable for Pittsburgh. I think every game on the schedule this year is winnable. I don't see one game where I sit there and go, as we stand today, obviously things can change, but I I don't see one where you go, okay, they cannot win that game. They're going to be massive underdogs. It's going to take something absurd for them to to pull out a victory. I, I don't see that on the schedule this year because the schedule is a bit lighter and this team is just better. Right. All right, Dave, before we get to our predictions uh, for this game and for the season for Pittsburgh, let's uh, hear from our friends over at MyBookie, who's, uh, again, sponsoring the podcast. and We appreciate their support, and you'll hear from MyBookie every Friday on The Terrible Podcast.
0: That's right, Alex. As a better, you demand perfection, and MyBookie delivers. NFL, college football, and a brand-new cash-out system give you options to bet and win all season long. First two legs of your parlay hit, Cash out early and use the funds on another bet or let it ride for a chance at a bigger payday. Join the MyBookie family for an entire season filled with odds boost, free bets, and super contests. This season, has uh, MyBookie has a no-strings-attached cash bonus that lets you deposit and withdraw quick. Use promo code TERRIBLE, that's promo code TERRIBLE at sign-up, and on a deposit of $50 or more, and you can receive up to $200 in cash instantly in your MyBookie account. You can bet your deposit amount once, and you're all ready to cash out anytime again, and that's using promo code TERRIBLE to claim your cash deposit bonus. Let me read it again. Bet your deposit amount once and you're ready to cash out at any time. Again, that's promo code terrible to claim your cash deposit bonus now. You can bet anything, anytime, anywhere, only with MyBookie. And to get to them, you go to uh, MyBookie.ag. And once again, please, please, please use promo code terrible when you do sign up.
2: And we thank My bookie for their continued sponsorship of the Terrible Podcast. Dave, we are both 0-1 to start the season, picking the Chiefs last night. I felt good about it. Had I realized that, yeah, Kadarius Tony just uh, was incapable of catching, then I would have gone the other way. But we both start the season 0-1.
0: Yeah. What do we say? That line was on that four and a half, I think, at, at the time mm-hmm. on my bookie there. Uh, yep. Took the uh, L there. But uh, I consider that buying buying the Steelers uh, some help there. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. I mean, All right, is, is that tax deductible?
2: <laughs> Check your account. Don't ask me. Uh, let's make our week one picks around the NFL. Then, of course, we'll wrap things up with our Predictions and analysis of some of this game between the Steelers and 49ers.
0: All right, Panthers at Falcons. Uh, Falcons favored three and a half at home against uh, against a uh, young young lead Panthers team.
2: Yeah, tough one here. Give me Atlanta. I think Bijan Robinson has a big game. Bryce Young maybe has a couple of rookie mistakes, but give me Atlanta.
0: I'll take Atlanta and late at three and a half as well, too. Houston, Texans on the road against the Baltimore Ravens. What a big ask here. Ravens laying nine and a half at Ooh. home.
2: Big line, but that Ravens defense that can be so creative, even though with some of the changes there against C.J. Stroud, I got to go Baltimore.
0: That's a tough draw for the Texans. I'll take Baltimore late at nine and a half as well, too. Arizona Cardinals on the road uh, at the Washington Commanders. Uh, Joshua Dobbs for the, for the Cardinals at quarterback, I believe. Commanders laying seven at home against the Cardinals.
2: I got to go. Commanders rooting for Josh Dobbs. I just don't know how Arizona's going to move the football. Trying to run on that, you know, Commanders front's going to be tough. They don't have the weapons in the pass game. I'm going Washington to win by yeah. fourteen.
0: Yeah, at some point uh, we're going to have to pick a dog here to cover. I think, but I not not huh. this one for me either. I'll take the Washington Commanders late seven. Bengals at Browns, AFC North battle to kick things off here. Browns are at home, giving two points to the Bengals. So Bengals minus two in this one.
2: So the Browns are underdogs in this one. Right. Wow. I mean, I am gonna go I'm gonna go Cleveland in this one. Their track record against Joe Burrow is really good. Burrow's always had trouble against the Browns. I don't know if I love Cleveland for the year. I'll get my prediction here in a second, but in this one, I'm gonna go with the Browns.
0: You think they upset him? I do. Uh I don't. I'll take the Bengals uh uh lay lay the two there. Uh let's see Titans on the road against the Saints in what should be an entertaining game. Saints at home laying three against the Titans, who well, I have I have the Titans having a good season this year.
2: Ooh. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go Tennessee in this one. I think their run game with Derrick Henry healthy. I think he's going to be solid enough. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go the Titans.
0: Yeah, I'll go. I'll go uh, Titans as well. uh, Plus the three points. I think they win this outright. Jaguars on the road against the Colts. Uh, Jaguars is another team that should have a good season here. Uh, Jaguars laying five on the road.
2: Yeah, I'm all in on Jacksonville this year, David, I think they're going to be, they could contend for that number one seed in the AFC, to be honest with you. So Richardson, his first start, you know, going to be some good, going to be some bad, but overall, Jacksonville wins this one.
0: Yeah, I'll take Jacksonville, lay those five points as well, too. Buccaneers on a road against the Minnesota Vikings. Vikings laying five and a half against uh, May- Baker Mayfield's bunch.
2: Yeah, I'm going to go with Minnesota in this game, I think, pretty easily.
0: I'm going to call this a field goal game. Vikings mm. win, but give me the Buccaneers plus that five and a half here. Uh, the Rams. I tell you, who's probably not going to have a good season this year? <laughs> probably the Rams. Uh, I look back at my uh, predictions from last year. I had I had the Rams in the in the Super Bowl last year, and they Ooh. went what five and five and twelve. So yeah, you know, uh, uh, experts aren't always experts. Uh, uh, Los Angeles Rams on the road against the Seahawks. Seahawks laying five at home.
2: Yeah, I mean, in Seattle, no Cooper Cup. I'm going with Geno Smith and company.
0: Yeah, it's tough to pick the. The question is 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 what's the what's the end score and and can the Rams cover? I say they don't. Uh, Give me the Seahawks late of five. New England Patriots at home against the E A G L E S Eagles. Did I spell that right? E A G L E S (laughs) Eagles. Uh, Patriots plus four. They're giving points. They're not not you know uh, Eagles coming in there obviously favorites. Eagles laying four.
2: You know what? I think Belichick finds a way to keep this one really close. I'm not high on New England for the year. I think they lose, but only by a field goal, so I'll take New England.
0: All right, we're going to differ on this one. I have the Eagles winning by a touchdown in this one. Dolphins at the Chargers. Chargers laying three points.
2: Oh, man, that's going to be a really good game. A couple of great quarterbacks. I think the Chargers offense is being retooled to not be so conservative. They add somebody like Quentin Johnston. Um, This is in Miami or in L.A.? Uh, L.A. And this one's really tough. The Chargers are just the Chargers, though. Give me Miami.
0: I'll take the Chargers. I'll lay those three points. Uh Raiders at the Broncos. Broncos laying three and a half. What's What's going on with Chandler Jones? Whew.
2: Yeah, that's a very delicate situation to say the least over there. Not quite sure. Can't really speak to it. I'm not I don't think Sean Payton's the savior, to be honest. Not that I'm super high on the Raiders, but but give me Las Vegas.
0: I'll take the Broncos to cover at home to open a season. I'll lay the three and a half there. Uh, Packers on the road against the Bears. Bears favored by one as the Jordan Love against the Packers with the Jordan Love era getting underway here.
2: Yeah, I mean, Chicago school guys look a whole lot better. Justin Fields should take a, a jump there, but, you know, Chase Claypool has not won a game as a bear yet. I mm-hmm. don't think that, that uh, streak ends in week one. Give me Green Bay.
0: man, we're going to differ on a few. I'll take the Mm -hmm. Bears to win by a field goal here. I'll lay the one point. Dallas Cowboys on the road against the uh, G-Man. Dallas favored by three and a half on the road against uh, New York.
2: Giants are just coached well. I mean, I don't necessarily love the the overall talent there, but this one's really tough overall. uh, NFC East matchup. It's it's a coin flip for me. My gut says Giants. I'll say Giants.
0: Uh, okay i'll take the cowboys to three and a half points well we're, we're gonna come out <laughs> and shoot one of us yeah up, you know, may, maybe uh on top of, uh, of the other one here buffalo bills laying two and a half on the road against uh aaron Rodgers and the jets
2: my very hastily made super bowl prediction was what eagles over jets so i guess i should stick with that here early no von miller that's gonna help out that that jets o-line give me new york
0: I'll take the Bills to cover two and a half on the road here. And then we have, uh, I think that's it. That's the slate other than the Steelers game. All right, should we talk about the Steelers first before we and, and give our prediction for the season before we cover the game? Or do you want to uh, do the game line first?
2: Let's go the other way. Let's start small to big. Let's start week one, and then we'll give our season predictions.
0: All right, uh, I think this is a very winnable game. Uh, the, the line right now on my bookie is uh, the 49ers by two and a half. Uh, overall here, uh, I, I think this is a, obviously a, a, because uh, everything that we've seen up until this point, I think this is a very winnable game for the Steelers. The last two years I have picked against the Steelers, uh, in, uh, week one and they've won both those games. I believe they were underdogs in, in both of them. I don't mm-hmm. think, uh, to, uh, uh, I think this is the, 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 closer line though, of, of, of these last three week one games or overall, uh, I really want to pick the Steelers here, but I am in the mode of, okay, I'm impressed with everything about this team at this point, but now I want to see a regular season game and you beat a good team. Uh picking against them, Alex.
2: Ooh, uh, yeah. I didn't think you were.
0: Yeah. And and I, I'm picking against them on this and, and not only that, I think the 49ers cover this one. I'm going to go 23, 20, a three point game in this one with the 49ers with the last minute field goal to win it.
2: I've gone back and forth on this one a lot, Dave. I, I'm really happy with where Pittsburgh is at, but I recognize that you know, there's going to be some adversity and the 49ers are a really good team and they're getting a bunch of their guys back that we weren't sure if they were going to play in this game like Bosa, like Kittle, like their kicker, Moody. And of course, Brock Purdy's going to start. You know, I, at the start of this podcast, just kind of talking about I was <laughs> leading San Francisco and I honestly had, I had 23-20. I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to flip the score here, Dave. I'm going to say Pittsburgh 23, San Francisco 20. They found ways to, to win week one week one games. They were doing it on the road. Now they're at home. Give me Pittsburgh.
0: Look, this is a week one game and obviously you want them to win. And you know, uh, I, I think it's a measuring stick game, uh, 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 of a sense and yeah, the season's not over if you lose this game, but let me tell you if they do win this game, uh, you want to talk about, this is one of those, there's like four or five games on this schedule that I think, Man could really take a what I, what I think is going to be a very good season for this team and make it even better. In other words, put them in a category where they, they potentially win 12, 13, uh, games like that. If you can win one like this, uh, at home against a good 49ers team, especially with kind of the way the front half of the schedule, uh, 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 looks for this team and, and obviously stay healthy, uh, in, in the process, this could signal that. This, this could be a signal that maybe as, 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 as pumped as, you know, as, as, as many people are jumping on the bandwagon of the Steelers uh, as of late, especially on a national media level, maybe it wasn't even enough uh, there. So I, I do think it's a winnable game for them. I think it would be a statement game. If they do win it, I just, uh, they, they're going to have to prove it to me. Uh, and look, I mean, I'm, I'm two in the last, uh, uh, uh two week one game so maybe this is a rever- uh maybe i can get credit for a reverse jinx
2: here. <laughs> <laughs> one of us will be right at least I-, I assume in this one but but i think for the season people will not be happy to hear that from you Dave but give us your your season prediction because i think people will will like this one a bit more
0: look i have uh i've moved by about a full game uh on on this uh as the uh, offseason is wore on first and foremost as we've sa- said several times I don't think you could have mapped this out this 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 complete offseason preseason everything leading up to this week one game I don't think you could have mapped it out uh, any better for this team this team is uh, talented this team is deep uh, it's a much better better team. Cause a year ago I had this team going eight, nine. I, you know, I was, I was, I was not bullish at all on the 2022 team. I don't see how you can look at this team on paper as we sit here right now and not, and look, they went nine and eight last year. And yeah, the, the uh, it, it wasn't a, uh, 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 you know, hard. Uh, you know, extremely hard gauntlet to close the season out with. But they won those games, and they did so with the fact that they're able to get their young quarterback experience and make get him make progress along the lines. Had some uh, uh, g- uh, game winning drives along the way. On top of it, you fast forward into the offseason, Obviously, going into, into this season at all, Kenny Pickett looks really, really comfortable. Uh, uh, goes without saying, it was it was a flawless uh, uh, preseason. You know, for this team, uh, I'm. I have found myself. I for a, for a while there, I was thinking, okay, this team will be, you know, uh, one, you know, maybe one game better, uh, something along those lines. Uh, when it when it comes to that, but uh, I have got this team eleven and six, Alex. So I got them being two games better than last year's team. Uh, overall, the biggest snafu that I wrote about last night was was the fact that the AFC North is also tough. Uh, along with those games, some of those games like against, uh, the, the, uh, the 49ers, uh, the Patriots, even though I don't think the Patriots are going to be all that this year, uh, the Jaguars, the, uh, the, 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 Tennessee game in this, uh, uh, this year's schedule there are kind of ones that you kind of circle and go, all right, what, what exactly can happen? because there's a lot of games early in this season, the first, uh, Six overall. I had this team going uh losing to San Francisco and then reeling off five straight wins. Mm. Uh so I have them going five and one in their six because I think it sets up that good for them. I have them losing to Jacksonville. I have them beating Tennessee and Green Bay. Uh my only question is is what what can this team do in the all-important AFC North? That's going to be the difference in this team. Uh, uh, finishing second in the AFC North or potentially uh, winning the AFC North. I have them going what they did last year 3 and 3 in the AFC North splitting with every one of the three teams there if they better that prediction of 3 and 3 in the AFC North then look out this team this team could win could could win the AFC North could could, could be your top 3 uh seed i think in, in the playoffs here but my prediction is going 3 and 3 uh in 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 the AFC North uh finishing with an 11 and 6 record overall going 5 and 3 on the road 6 and 3 at home uh, overall, I have them making uh, the the playoffs as the number seven seed in the AFC uh, as a wild card team. Uh, I have them winning uh, mm. uh, their first playoff game since 2016, upsetting the Buffalo Bills on the road. But then I have them bowing out in, in, in the divisional round against the Chiefs overall. Unequivocally, I am expecting this team. To make the playoffs and win a playoff game, if not a couple of them, uh, here mm. this team is talented enough, in my opinion, uh, to do that at this point. I will be highly disappointed. I mean, goes without saying, be disappointed if this team doesn't make the playoffs. But I'll I'll be probably about as equally disappointed if they if they if they get in and don't win a playoff game. That streak needs to needs to stop. Uh, so uh, I do think and hope that after this season. Uh for many more seasons to come, we'll be talking about the Super Bowl window being open. I just don't think they have enough uh to uh to to win the Super Bowl mm-hmm. this year.
2: No, I hope you're right. And I think certainly breaking that that terrible playoff drought is gonna be one of the, the critical components to the season. Can you run through exactly your AFC North standings just to show where you have Pittsburgh aligning relative to the rest of a very competitive AFC North.
0: I have them tying with the Bengals at 11 and 6 overall, just the Bengals winning the the uh, the tiebreaker there. So uh, Bengals 11 and 6, Steelers 11 and 6, Baltimore 10 and 7, Cleveland 8 and 9. So a very a very uh you know look you know three game difference between uh, the Browns and 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 the 11 win divisional winners there. I j- I I think the Bengals will stumble a couple of times this year. Uh and look you know, they you you even predict, predicted them to uh to lose that week 1 game against the Browns something along mm-hmm. along those lines they're going to be a good team i just wonder if they're going to be as good uh you know, as last year's team uh on on top of it there maybe they win one or two more games than what i'm giving them credit for but i have Bengals Steelers Ravens Browns uh with the Browns bringing up the rear with eight wins only
2: And then, from the for a playoff perspective, you have just the Bengals and Steelers making it in the North, or did you get Baltimore squeezed in there too?
0: I do not have the uh, Ravens making the playoffs.
2: Okay, and you got Pittsburgh as the seven seed at eleven and six. Correct. Okay, man, eleven and that would just show you how tough the AFC is. If you go eleven and six and still just get in that, that that seven seed there, for me,
0: and that's what I, I put in there too. I, you know, AFC, I I think sure. is a superior is a much oh, yeah. better conference in the NFC uh, overall.
2: Definitely, hundred percent. I don't think there's any any debate about that. For me, um, my first time giving any sort of prediction here, and you guys know my thoughts on some of these seasonal predictions and trying to guess what's going to happen by January. It's it's pretty fruitless overall. We're all kind of just guessing, so I'm not gonna pretend like I you know was burning a ton of midnight oil on on figuring this one out. But my vibe for the season is uh, I'll just get to the point. I've got Pittsburgh going ten and seven, making the playoffs as probably a six or seven seed. But being one and done, just falling short. They get back to the playoffs first time under Kenny Pickett, but just kind of with a bit younger team trying to go through playoff experiences on the road against probably a tough opponent. I got them, unfortunately, again, I know being one and done, but making the playoffs, I have, have them finishing third in the AFC North. I got oh. Baltimore winning the North at 12 and five. If wow. they stay healthy with better wide receivers, weapons in the past game, something they've been missing for years, that's going to vault them. Uh, Bengals eleven and six, Steelers ten and seven, Browns like you, Dave eight and nine. I got three teams from the North making the playoffs, including Pittsburgh. So that's my vibe overall. I know it's only a one week, one win jump from a year ago. Um, you know, I just don't know if Pittsburgh's going to go on a seven and two type streak that they went on last year. Now, granted, will they go on a two and six start like did like they did last year? You know, who's to say there? But just in the tough AFC, tough AFC North, I think this team can be certainly much better than a year ago without their record necessarily reflecting a huge jump in wins but they're going back to the playoffs i i I will be disappointed dave if this team cannot at least make the playoffs of course you want to break that playoff you know win drought that's been a huge issue there but at least getting back to the playoffs and proving to me that you can get to that point in a competitive afc and afc north is going to be the first step there so it's not Ideal, obviously, but that's my prediction here. I'm sticking to a 10-7, and one-and-done in the playoffs.
0: Who, who, do you have mapped out who you have them losing to? I mean, you've already picked I to don't. Beat, beat beat the 49ers. Uh, yeah, I
2: don't. I, I didn't take it that far in terms of the whole prediction. Um, you, know, you can probably assume they're going to face a Buffalo or a Kansas City or maybe you know one of these AFC North teams here in Baltimore, Cincinnati uh, in the playoffs.
0: What's one game on this schedule that you think the Steelers, at least looking at it, should win? that they might slip up on. See that, that, that game for me is the, uh, is the Patriots game.
2: Okay. That's fair. Yeah. I I mean, you know, it's always Pittsburgh always surprises you. Um, I think, I don't know if if it's going to be a should win, but at Seattle week 17 on the road, you know, it's going to be a tough one. I don't know who's going to be the actual favorite there by then. Um, You know, could Tennessee give you an issue in week nine, similarly built team. Um, You know, that could be one, so I, I don't really have a, a particularly great answer. They're never good going out to Vegas in week three. So that, that's probably something to also monitor there.
0: Uh, is what is the what is the ceiling? And the, I, I I in making my prediction, I came up with a ceiling and a floor. The ceiling I have at nine wins. I mean, uh, the floor at nine wins and the ceiling I had at 12 wins.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm probably with you 100% on that, Dave. It's hard to pick this team to go to be below 500. And then, yeah, I mean, if everything hits perfectly, I could see this team definitely getting 12 wins. I mean, that's the high end if it all works out. But this team is really talented. They stay healthy. Everything kind of works together. The offense takes a jump. I mean, I think that's a fairly wide range for a 17-game schedule, but I think 9 to 12 is is pretty solid there.
0: What happens for some uh, god-awful reason? This team uh, finishes... uh, uh less than 500 and misses you know obviously probably missed the playoffs at that point what has have what has happened to to cause that because look, look, here's here's the thing. As, as bullish as uh, major media and all, I mean the the over, uh, the over under win total, which generally as a whole, I think uh, over the years the Steelers have crushed. You know, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you want to make money bet on the Steelers to 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 to, to bust the the win total, but I mean that number still has been hovering around eight and a half. I think at some places now it's, it's jumped to nine. Maybe by the time week one universally it'll be with that late money coming in. It'll be nine overall. But what why? Why do you? Why is there more confidence in the Steelers to to hit over eight and a half?
2: Well, I can't speak to how Vegas is setting it up, but I get the sense from the media there's been a lot. I mean, I think half like seventy five percent of the media is on the Steelers bandwagon right now. There's only a handful of names I think that are really downplaying their chances. So I think Pittsburgh has really been the apple of the NFL's eye as that quote unquote sleeper team based on the really strong preseason that they have had. You asked me, you know, what would happen if this team doesn't have the season that it wants to? I think a couple things. Secondary is the quarterback play strong enough to deal with some of these, you know, elite quarterbacks and elite wideouts. That, that's probably a fair question there. And some growing pains early for this defense. that has been overhauled pretty substantially. B, can they truly get enough explosive plays offensively? That's never been their personality, at least not in a long, long time. And they are, I think, making strides in that direction. But is it enough in a world that demands not just some of that, but but a lot of those big plays? And then the uncomfortable conversation we may have, have they're eight and nine. They don't have any substantial injuries. Is is Kenny Pickett, the high end guy that Pittsburgh needs? I'm not trying to say that now, but you're asking the question. I know if they go eight and nine and they're not, you know, they don't lose any key piece for any large amount of time. The, the Pickett conversation will occur in um, this again. When you got Burrow and you got Watson and Jackson, three, you know, either definitely high end or potentially in the case of Watson, high end quarterbacks. The question may be, can Kenny can Pickett compete with that?
0: Okay. All right. Uh, you know, obviously, I, I think it's a top 10 defense if they stay healthy. I think if we're talking about this team underperforming, I want to think that it's going to be less about picket and more about what the defense didn't do on their side of the football for whatever reason.
2: That's fair. How, how good do you think this offense can be? You said top 10 defense. We talking top 15 offense?
0: Yeah, I think right in the middle of the pack. Uh, look, if they, obviously if they don't increase their explosive plays and their, uh, in their yards after the catch, it's going to be hard to be a middle of the pack team, right. you know, uh, and then obviously Matt Canada be gone, yada, 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 you know? So, uh, I, I, I look, I I'm still, I'm still bullish on him becoming that quarterback to make the 2.0, uh, just in net yards passing attempt at a minimum. Once again, I, we need to see that number, like. What did I say? 6.2, 6.3. Maybe not the full 2.0 jump, but it's it, it's gotta be over six, you know. And and once again, if you look back at his games from uh past the Saints game on, last year I think he accomplished that. Uh a much more talented offensive group, top to bottom this time. That that's why I'm at, you know, I'm expecting uh him to kind of pick up where where he left off at. Uh, last year though, uh, if he makes a 2.0, uh, any NEA jump uh, or more, this team's gonna, I, I think, win some. You know, we might be talking about the 12 or 13 game, mm-hmm. uh, or, or win ceiling there. Sure.
2: I'm, I'm not gonna deny that. I think the ceiling for this team is high. Um, but I think you can say that about a lot of these teams in the AFC. The Bengals I think they have obviously a high ceiling and the Ravens and the Browns. The Bengals, I do think when they lose their top safeties and Jesse Bates and Von Bell and trying to replace, that's going to be maybe one of those big losses that we don't realize how big it is until they start getting kind of getting cooked in the pass game. And the Browns, I mean, how good are the Browns going to be, Dave? I, I mean, they, they could be a 13-win team. That, that wouldn't floor me. I mean, they could be a 7-win team and it wouldn't floor me. It really comes down to Deshaun Watson. And, and that's the the. 215 million or whatever it is dollar question all
0: right well let's go to back to one of the things I highlighted as one of the biggest potential snafu bugaboos whatever you want to call it when it comes to this season it it's it, it, it's the AFC north and and that's what prevented me from putting them up in the 1213 win category because I think you know my prediction is them them uh, going three and three what do you think they do in in in, in division?
2: Yeah, three and three sounds about right. They all went three and three last year. They just kind of beat up on each other. I mean, again, if you didn't go four and two, then that that can really be the difference between your season advancing in the playoffs and and sitting at home or being a wild card team. So I think three and three is kind of the easy answer to give, but they're going to be tough one possession type games, and you know this thing could be four and two, two and four. It's just kind of a a gauntlet of options here.
0: All right, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna frame this one other one last way with you here. Okay. I. Right if the Steelers beat the 49ers in week one, and if they go four and two in the division, does that shift your season record from 10 wins?
2: It would probably bump them up to 11. That was a sitting at that point, um, six weeks in.
0: Okay. All right. I mean, we're, we're both, uh, look, we're going to be called a lot of names because we don't think the, win- the Steelers are going to win the Super Bowl this year. Right. You know, uh, but I mean, we're we're both bullish on this team overall.
2: We I think it's a better team, and again, my prediction. I think they're by, I
0: think they're a little bit better than you do, probably by sure. by, by by a little bit there, because I, I I think they can sneak into playoffs and and, and win a game. Maybe, I mean, you know, depending on how the seating goes, maybe you get a Jacksonville, uh, you know, uh, after playing them earlier in the season, obviously, uh, you know, maybe you have to go there. I mean, uh, this could be like a home game for the Steelers anyway, <laughs> That's true. Uh, That's true. uh, you can know, I mean, uh, uh, map out scenarios, I think where they could win a playoff game.
2: Sure, absolutely. I mean, again, you buy the lottery tickets, you get in the playoffs. Who the heck knows what's going to happen by then? Obviously, you've had a you know pretty good season to, to get into that and and beat out all these competitive teams. So I'm not saying they can't win a playoff game. I'm just saying we've been down this road before. And for maybe a younger team, you know, first playoff game for Kenny Pickett, for some of these younger guys. And again, you're probably facing a really, really good team, in the AFC, if you're the if you're the seven seed, you're playing the two seed. So, um, yeah, I think Pittsburgh will be the underdog in that game, and probably rightfully so. So you know, I'm not I'm not trying to say that they can't do that. Uh, I like this team. I think they've had a really good offseason. You know, I'm happy to be wrong, but I, I see improvement. You get in the playoffs, and l- listen, l- let's let's hope we're both right. They, they advance to the postseason, and we'll take it from there about who they play and the prediction and all that kind of stuff. Those are good problems for this team to have.
0: Yeah, I'd like to come out of this season with this team having a – Making the playoffs, having a playoff win, and feeling uh, uh, a lot better about uh, about about Kenny Pickett. If 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 we if they can accomplish those things, then I think man, uh, it, it's really looking pot. Because once again, if you have a quarterback in this in this league, especially uh, the, the kind of defense that the Steelers normally like like to put on the field and all like that, uh, you can compete for a championship. So uh, my hope is is after the season is over with, we say. Look, the Super Bowl window is open now.
2: Right, so just to recap, you got Pittsburgh 11 and 6, wild card with a playoff win. I have them 10 and 7, wild card, one and done. So that is the the difference there.
0: All right, so the bumper the Mike Tomlin bumper sticker and playoff uh, wins uh carries on, right?
2: Right, right. All right, Dave, let yeah,
0: 2016.
2: Yeah, the drought continues on my end, but uh, happy to be wrong about that. All right, Dave. Let's get to a couple of reader emails and close out today's show. All
0: right, let's see what we have in here from Bryce. Can't believe week one's here. If Cam is healthy and plays, then I'm all in on another Tomlin week one masterpiece victory. I can see it coming. He says, "My thoughts. Let the Matt Canada watch begin now." I know it would be unprecedented, but do you see any scenario where the Steelers' offense continue to look like it did last? Uh, blah, blah blah And why not? Uh, Basically he's saying, uh, uh, other than saying they just don't do things that way. Is there any scenario you can come up with this team fire in Matt Canada during the season?
2: You never say never as Mike Tomlin will say, um, that's not their M.O. They just don't do that with coordinators.
0: He said you can't say that, though. <laughs> we,
2: I can't say that. Then I don't know what, what really I mean, to I, say. I, I don't mean, I
0: don't know what 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 way other to, did, did to answer that myself. I mean, it would uh, I mean, he framed it as unprecedented. And and until they go the other way, it's hard to imagine this team firing their offensive coordinator midseason, period. I mean, I, I, I don't know what what other way to frame it other than that.
2: Yeah. I mean, is it possible? Sure. Anything's possible. If they completely suck and they're, you know, two wins, you know, seven weeks into the year, then, yeah, then, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, he's not going to come back in 2024. I'll tell you that much. But, you know, in midseason, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it.
0: Uh, with the addition of Holcomb and Roberts and their physicality, would you want to see the Steelers run more of those uh double A gap mugs looks this uh this week to try to stress their interior of that San Fran offensive line? You already said you'd like to see them uh, come out, go after them a little bit.
2: Yeah, I think a couple of those. I think you can lean on, you know, Holcomb's not going to be a tremendous blitzer. I just like, you know, mugging those A gaps in general. Let's let's pressure and stress that interior offensive line on the road, force those guys to communicate and Sometimes that makes that tackle pinch down and creates a better you know matchup, and we get that that end unblocked. So bring some. I mean, Roberts can be an effective blitzer. Alexander can be an effective blitzer. I think those guys can can do that. And it's probably better to blitz Roberts and try to have him cover Christian McCaffrey. So yeah, I mean, I want to see some some sim pressures and some you know, actual blitzes from Roberts and company.
0: Jeff Berg writes saying, if Dan Moore plays great all season and Chooks plays well all year, how do you how do you get Broderick Jones into the lineup? I know things have a funny way of working themselves out but it's an interesting scenario. Like, like y'all have said, a first round tackle usually starts. I understand why he's not starting now. It's just a unique scenario. He says how much, uh, okay. That that's question number one. Look, I mean, I understand the question Jeff and and throwing the scenario out here, but I mean, we haven't even hit week one. I mean, let's, let's get through, let's get to the bye week and, and, and if, if Dan Moore and Chooks are playing extremely well on this team, you know, let, let's even move a game past that. I had them going, what, five and one in, this, in, in, in the first six games. If you're at that point, both both tackles are playing well. Uh, how do you get Broderick Broder, Broder Jones into the lineup? Well, I mean, if you're winning and those guys are playing well, he probably sits a little bit longer. And, and that, you know, that might be a plus in and of itself. Uh, 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 assuming they are winning there. It's just it's it's one of those scenarios that, you know, it goes back to, the, and he stated in here, things have a funny way of, of, of working themselves out. So, Jeff, that's probably a better question. Why, why don't you email us uh, after during the bye week and ask that same question?
2: Yeah, it's a fair question. My terrible take today is actually on, and I mentioned this Wednesday, I think we're going to talk about the tax situation a lot next year. What happens to a core four and more? Does he shift? Does he go to the bench? Broderick Jones, all that kind of stuff. The, the option or the roster bonus that's due on a core four. So good questions to have, good problems to have. I've said it before. I apologize for being a broken record today, but we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Who the heck knows how it'll happen. If it does, fine. We'll deal with it in March.
0: Right. And look, as I already said, Chooks is it, this is an important year for a core for because of the, the roster bonus he is due. And and obviously got a young tackle uh, behind, you know, uh, uh, starting the season uh, on on the bench as well, too. He goes on to write how much of a concern is Zach Gentry being on the enemy sidelines as far as telling the, the Bengals exactly how the offense will be. In other words, uh, uh, how concerned are you that Zach Gentry uh, signed with the Bengals? I have zero concern, to be honest with you.
2: Yeah. Zero. A, the Bengals know Pittsburgh pretty well. They've been playing each other two years, every, or two times a year, every year for how long now. And uh, they don't even play the Bengals till what week 12. Who knows if Gentry will even be a, be a Steeler or be a Bengal by then. So it's all way down the road kind of stuff.
0: All right. Uh, those are the couple that, uh, oh, i got one more here from Chris Wade. Hey guys, two quick fun ones. Who scores first in the game? The Steelers or the 49ers and who scores first for the Steelers? Uh, Kenny throwing, buzz kicking, or one of our two backs rushing or a defensive TD. So he wants to know uh, who scores first in the game, the Steelers or the 49ers. I'm going to say, I'm going to say the Steelers score first in this game. Uh, And I'm going to say it's a Najee Harris rushing touchdown.
2: I'll say the 49ers score first. Pittsburgh still is never a strong starting team. That's not been their their style um when Pittsburgh does get on the board yeah I'll I'll go with George Pickens touchdown to be a little different I'm glad you included defensive touchdown though considering that's how it happened last year but uh I'll go George Pickens from Kenny Pickett from seven yards out
0: righty uh all right, I, I think we we've run a little bit long for obvious reasons here because of previewing the season and doing picks and everything like that. So we'll wrap this up and tell everybody uh, thank you for following along during the off season and all. Uh, you know, on the site, the podcast, uh, uh, social media, Facebook, Twitter, uh, all that. We, we, we certainly do appreciate you. We, we look forward to covering the season uh, like we, we, we normally do for you here. And obviously three podcasts a week uh, and guest, uh, you know, beat writers and all like that. So anyway, uh, we will be back on Monday to recap what happened on Sunday between the Steelers and the 49ers. You can follow me on Twitter at Steelers Depot, follow uh, Alex on Twitter at Alex underscore Kazora. follow the show at terrible podcast, email the show, the terrible at gmail.com. If you like what we're doing, want to donate dot hit the donate button upright navigation bar. Uh, and also if you'd like an ad free version, you can find that up there as well too. So until Monday, have a great weekend, everybody enjoy the game. And as always, thanks for listening to the terrible podcast with Dave and Alex.